Hey there, I would like to begin this episode by thanking some folks. Folks like Brandon McBride Shields, Thomas Ashe, Zaka Flaka 80, Wolf of Fenris, and Sean Hood. All of these are people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and uh, given us some money. Uh, that helps support this show and this network and us. Yeah, we're really grateful for it. Uh, you can be like them and get a whole bunch of extra stuff by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A topic record scratch. Boo? What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, yeah, we uh, we got a uh, special plan for this one. We're going to do the uh, Q&A stuff. We're going to read your responses yep. to uh, April's stuff. But instead of doing a topic, we got a lot of people writing in um about chuck e cheese it's been one of our more popular topics so uh we're gonna take that time that would have been used for a topic and uh just kind of read your memories on various pizza entertainment restaurants yeah and this is uh to set the stage for the experimental episode next month where no q's only a's <laughs> it's up to you so, here's a little preview yeah <laughs> i don't know i suppose so <laughs> that there runs, we go that runs the gamut yeah uh, take yep. that and use it to your heart's content uh i'll, I'll give okay. my i'll give my track so people can uh can take it clean uh-huh no. uh-uh uh i don't know <laughs> the, uh, yep uh, and then you can mix that together and basically make your own all a's episode <laughs> yeah uh, well, let's get started with cues, though, because this episode's normal. Uh, Manny uh, asks, uh, hey, Team Waff, I recently listened to the Deathloop episode and thought it was super insightful. I was actually on the marketing team at Bethesda for this game, which made me particularly interested in your perspective on the invasion slash multiplayer mechanic. This was something we thought about a ton while building marketing campaigns before launch. More specifically, how to, how not to highlight comparisons to other games, Dark Souls being the obvious one. My question for you is, in your opinion, how, if at all, can studios and publishers best learn from previous games and use similar mechanics in new ways? Do you think a unique mechanic like Dark Souls Invasions belongs in other games or settings at all? Um, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, Dark Souls doesn't lay doesn't lay claim to it. Obviously, the devil's in the details. You want to make sure you're implementing it in in a good way and make sure that what you're buying is worth the cost uh you know for what uh for what that brings in but there is uh i think really no really no downside to judiciously appropriating good ideas from uh from other studios yeah and with with Deathloop in specific i like that idea in that game i just didn't like it while the game was happening yes you know so uh in terms of marketing that or in terms of how uh, a publisher developer would talk about that. I think saying uh, we have Dark Souls invasions does come off 
crummy yeah. because it's it's hard to um for us specifically with dark souls when games borrow stuff from them a lot of times it feels like they don't do so as thoughtfully as yes. they need to like they borrow the dark souls a uh, bit like a lego block uh, yeah. but it really needs to kind of be you know bespoke yes uh, and added um so i don't as far as the language goes i don't know I would, uh, how how that would be sold because uh, it's so it's it's a weird thing where it's obvious to to the people making the game that it's Dark Souls mm-hmm. and it's obvious to us that it's Dark Souls but if you just came out and been like oh yeah we did the Dark Souls thing <laughs> it would feel ridiculous it would feel unbecoming of a studio of like arcane stature to uh to 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 to, to come out and be just I think maybe that maybe that direct of it uh and yeah. you know saying it is weird and bad in a way that doing it is not weird and bad it's also interesting with invasions because as in terms of things that are bespoke from um dark souls that have been made their way into the wider like game design palette mm-hmm. invasions hasn't been a big one no you know like uh bonfire style uh checkpointing like and all the enemies respawn Mm-hmm. But you can respawn at the same time. That's gotten very popular, and we find that in lots of games. Yeah, you know, at this point, uh, leaving a blood stain mm-hmm. like that—that's now kind of part of the gaming vocabulary. Invasions aren't, yeah, yet. Um, and uh, I think that maybe also this will get a little bit easier once the, if that happens. If more games kind of decide to borrow that, I think maybe that that aspect of the puzzle will get a lot easier. Yeah. I don't envy you and your team the task of trying to figure out a way how to describe that. Um, yeah. How to, how to describe anything about this game because it is it is so weird. Yes. Yeah. It's an odd one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Toby writes, and I edited this one a bit. I've got Elden Ring on the brain, but one of uh, but one area where I think it doesn't stack up to the earlier games is the boss arenas. Possibly because of increased boss boss complexity, most of the arenas are just empty rooms, maybe with some pillars in them, a la Ornstein and Smo. So my questions: What are your favorite boss arenas in games? Uh, what makes a good boss arena? Uh, when <laughs> when is a more complex arena welcome, uh, and when does a simpler one do the job? There's also a little sub question here about what makes a good boss arena <laughs> and what makes a good <laughs> a complex arena and a more simpler arena. Are you, are you referring um, to retro game challenge arena or no, is this uh, just boss arena? <laughs> I'm referring to Rob Schneider's copy character. Hey, that's hey. no, Rombie. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. No, that was Rombie. That's not Rombie Schneider. Rombarino. <laughs> hey, Mickey. <Gappies. laughs> Rombie Snyder is very specific. <laughs> That's a <laughs> hey, <laughs> vaccines are dangerous. Hey, <laughs> speed. Uh, yeah. Um, I I think like there's only a couple of them in Elden Ring. I think where the 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 just the, the first part where I think the arenas are interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't bother me though. One of the things I think about uh, when I think about good boss arenas, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so like the classic one in dark souls, uh, for me is, uh, Capra yep. demon. And that arena is there to kind of like it. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It, it changes the fight a yeah. lot. It's like the fight itself without dogs or stairs is really trivial. It's just basically a big dude. Yeah. You know, so it adds this complexity to it in a way that feels a little inelegant, even if I ultimately do do like it yeah um you know this is something i think that has been a thing for a while mm-hmm. 
it's like there's some experiments like you end up with uh, like Dragon Rider and thing you know stuff like that Executioner's Chariot there's a couple of experimental ones but in general I think from like Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne onward uh, again with some exceptions right like yeah um you Sh- know Shadows of Yarnum yeah yeah Shadows of Yarnum uh Gascoigne mm-hmm. has, has stuff but it just gives you ways to break eyeline you know eyeline and uh and take cover for a second and heal yeah you know you know, and that's the, the that's what it does. I find myself more concerned with the aesthetics of the boss arena than anything, um, uh, and kind of kind kind of liking that a little bit more. Uh, you're right. Like I, when I think of all of the ambitious and experimental boss arena designs that are primarily about limiting um, li- limiting movement and augmenting challenge, all of it's in the first one, right? Um, yeah, most of it. Yeah. There, yeah, there's a couple of exceptions. But. Yeah. 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 Uh but uh you know the 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 really memorable ones and like when I think about my favorites it's it, it is it is more about the aesthetics or the atmosphere or something like that. So like uh staying in Souls old monk, right? Just a yeah. just a big ass room, but it's 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 unforgettable thinking about you know taking it out of Souls but like fight areas uh like the uh oh gosh, Bizarro Sephiroth or whatever it is, the group fight in uh in mm. final fantasy 7 that's a good one like all that stuff that's at the at the core of the earth there uh luca blight i mean you're just fighting him in a field yeah. but everything about the presentation of that uh that's another uh group group uh group battle uh kind of thing that's that that that's what i think is most important about like the setting than than uh than, than a lot of stuff yeah yeah i uh uh in terms of you know actual mechanical things uh it's, it's not you know, they're not great boss fights or anything, but, um, I like it when the, uh, setting is incorporated into the strategy. So like the patched, um, human revolution bosses, yeah, I was for example, like the, uh, the first guy, the, uh, the hillbilly with the gun arm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, them adding the vents and the storage containers, <clears throat> things like that, like that, that stuff is, is Gary Knapp and, uh, aesthetic, you know, demerit, I'm going to say, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, we've done, uh, <laughs> final field. battle in a field of white flowers. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. done. It's a dead trope. Yep. Like, kill it. Stop doing it. Yeah. Um, we're done. Uh, and related to that, since you brought up Deus Ex, Metal Gear Solid boss arenas that are not the field of white flowers. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, Vulcan Ravens uh, warehouse. Right. Yeah, uh, that's real good. Things. There's also those silly ones though, like with the um, the 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 hunger. I think the hunger. In the third one. Uh, where it's just basically a shooting gallery where he jumps from like tree to tree. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. almost it's like it's like a host of the dead boss. It's real weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah uh i I think those are those are a little bit best in class as far as uh as far as like mechanical gimmick goes to me yeah when they're not just um you know a a a railing around a swimming pool yeah you know that kind of thing like when they're good they're super good yes yeah uh what does audi Uh, say audi yeah it's up it's me uh, Ani says, in honor of roguelike decade on WAF, have either of you ever gotten really into a classic style roguelike, uh, such as NetHack, Moira, uh, uh, TOME, Ancient Domains of Mystery, uh, etc.? Uh, and would you ever consider covering one for the show? NetHack was the very first roguelike I really played. And while there are a lot of things that are friendlier and just more fun about the modern entries in the genre, I do think it has a level of variety and interactivity that is still kind of unique to that older style. Uh, I have played... Uh, I fucked around with NetHack specifically. 
and I played a lot of uh, a Morath roguelike. Uh, I've talked about Morath before, the shareware lord mm-hmm. of old PC games. Uh, before I knew what a roguelike was. No. Um, we, uh, me and my friends got into that. Um, but typically the next level up is where I find the, the level of core of roguelike mm-hmm. that I like, like a Sheer and the Wanderer or a Mystery Dungeon yeah. game, which are closer, you know, they're rogue games, like they're, they're roguelikes, not roguelite. Mm-hmm. Uh, lights that's kind of i i need the kind of graphical presentation and such the ascii stuff um exhausts me and then when it has tiles which is great there it still runs into no problem where there are just so many things to recognize yeah uh because the the trick of those games like the cool thing is that amount of depth yeah and the the amount of like secrets and interactions and stuff i really respect that mm-hmm. um i just don't yeah. I'm old and codified in some of my ways and it, it feels like something I would need to get real into when I was younger and had yeah. a different attention span. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I tried that hack like 20 years ago and I bounced off of it super hard. Uh, and I really like that next level of uh, abstraction and would love to do like a, a share in the wanderer game at some point. Oh, they did that re-release uh, one on, uh, on switch and I uh, have been champing at the bit to try that. They're good. They're yeah. really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the closest thing that I've gotten otherwise, and this is only related, I think, you know, aesthetically, but like Door Fortress, you know, but that's sure. that's more in build and manage kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Also, a game that'd be really hard to do. Yes. Uh, because and is hard to get into because there's a million different little icons that mean a million different things. Yeah. And that's why I kind of bounced off of it. All of my attempts have yeah. been uh, have been thwarted. Yeah. yeah. You know, it sounds like something you'd really been to. I know. Right. Um, and for me, just take Door Fortress, the basic concept, and just like with you going up to Sheeran and Mystery Dungeon, for me, uh, RimWorld's Prison Architect, right? Yeah, it's the next level out. Yeah. Uh, Greg writes, I recently got around to playing Detroit Become Human, uh, and I wish that I had played it years ago, because it's great. Among one of my favorite things in the game is that there's an android named Chloe, uh, who is on the main menu when you launch the game. She reacts to real, uh, real life events, uh, such as if it's early morning and you played late last night, or if it's a weekend or a major holiday. Uh, sh- uh, also, she'll try to talk you out of continuing the game once things get worse, and will say nice things such as, I'm here for you, and I really like what you did with your room. Uh, it's one of my favorite game gimmicks uh, that I found in a game. Uh, what uh, What are some of yours? Some of my favorite gimmicks? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's broad. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. Hard, hard to say. Stuff like that, like Trixie, um, I'm looking at real life, like, you know, the weather outside is the weather in the game. The time mm-hmm. outside is the time in the game. Yeah. Stuff like that. I always like the idea of until um something in game is reliant on it yes you know i don't want to go outside and play a game boy bok tai no you know like you can't see it very well and then also there are bugs and like <laughs> weather <laughs> you know and i don't know if i got bad like, news about indoors if you don't like bugs <laughs> i well i mean they're hidden though <laughs> you know yeah. like i don't see bugs they're they're everywhere outside flying insects <laughs> um you know video games are an indoor sport yeah, yeah. you know uh so it's like stuff like that it's kind of hard to uh and then it's like what's what's a gimmick right like Mm -hmm. are the sanity effects in eternal darkness a gimmick that's like a core mechanic yeah you know that that's a that's a core selling point it it so it's it's kind of hard to define i guess is my 
my response. Yeah, I, I like I, I all of my examples are from like forever ago because it hit the because uh, I hit a good number of these you know pretty early. So what with what Greg is describing with Chloe in uh, Detroit, like the character responding to your play habits, like I thought that was the coolest thing in the goddamn world back when I played Seaman on Dreamcast, right? Yeah, you know. Like then, then that that just kind of worked its way. That's what Seaman is, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so like, it's, it's so hard, hard to, to see if that's a gimmick because that's what gimmick. That's yeah. what Seaman does. I you was know? real into the chow raising in uh, Sonic Adventure games. I know we joked about those on a recent Abject Suffering, uh, but like the idea that you could load this little virtual pet into your VMU and I could like set it on my stand in band practice, you know, at in middle mm-hmm. school. And watch my little guy march along and, you know, make little choices uh, to help level him up. That was really cool to me. And that is absolutely a gimmick. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's go with that. And I really I, I wish that we could have gotten the uh, uh, the memory unit things on the PlayStation so we could have done the Chocobo stuff in Final Fantasy nine. That stuff seemed cool to me. Do you know um, what I would do if I had access to a time machine? What would you do? I would go back in time to your band practice, grab your chow off the stand and swallow it in one bite and then disappear from your life for 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Like what a power move it would be to eat your virtual pet. Like as a full adult walking into your school who you don't know. Uh Uh-huh. You know, maybe I'm vaping. Like I look like a, a bounty hunter and then I eat the chow. Okay. And then just back out of the room. (laughs) <laughs> and nobody ever hears from me again. Oh well, yeah, be, be, because you not only ate a small <laughs> electronic. Yeah, well, I mean, you also ate yeah. a small C C R twenty thirty two battery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I keep swallowing batteries. I just, I, well, I would then travel. I would use that time machine, and then I would travel to the future where they can cure that. Where they can cure having eaten a CR twenty thirty two battery. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of cut over to me, like, M. Preg as shit, giving birth to a... <laughs> giving birth to a car battery. <laughs> like... CR-2030 gestates. Um, yeah, really this is a really dark timeline. This is a fucked up period. This is like some Cronenberg Tetsuo the Iron Man shit <laughs> we're describing. Like, you know, covered in hair and stuff. Like, you know, uh, some teeth growing out of it in, in, like, instead of crying it just like whistles because steam is blasting out of it yeah just, um yeah but it it does do it in response to seeing me so it's not just air escaping like uh, anyway, well i take it back i wouldn't do that okay thanks um well not for you uh, for, for me i don't want to give i can need to give birth on anything this is i can still thank you yeah no i know i appreciate it it would uh it would hurt a lot and i'd probably be stuck in the future at that point because they'd want to study you know old man not true, uh, true. i uh, ask if you can convert one finite game into an ideal feasible forever game Uh, For example, a narrative game, getting well-realized procedural stories that uh, interlink and or systematized character relationships, what game would you pick? Uh, Um, You'd have to do this by holding a gun to my head because I wouldn't want that. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. It's it's not something I want. Uh, And I was going to like my instinct is to say like, oh, like a game I really like, like Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium put out DLC I haven't played yet. Uh Uh-huh. 
like that that kind of happened and i was like i've i've moved on yeah um i'm just i'm just not a forever game gamer like even games i play a lot of like even your isaacs or what have you like i still i haven't played isaac in a while like Mm -hmm. we do that show and i had to pop back in and check out new content for the show but you know even my forever game has a limit yeah you know yeah. Um, so I, I don't know that I have an answer for this that I kind of genuinely feel like I would say like, oh, like if we had new, you know, just new Vegas, but there's kind of one of those that we have yeah. that I haven't touched, <laughs> you know, it's a, and a lot of it is, is probably job related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't, did not play the outer worlds, uh, because I was like, I, someday we'll do that for the show. Yeah. Um, I guess I would do like a, another, like a dishonor level once a month. Yeah. Like, uh, that would be fine. Hitman. Uh, but even like the Hitman games, which were kind of meant to be that kind of thing, I came into later. Yeah. Uh, like a Hitman level once a month would also be cool. Yes. Something like that. Like le- big dense level mm-hmm. coming out on our drip feed is what I want. Yeah. That would be my version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Luke says, which tabletop RPG religion would you follow uh, if you had no choice but to pick one? Uh, you can assume uh, that the chosen religion is also true in this scenario. Uh, real world religions featured in video games do not count. Hmm. I undoubtedly some like forgotten realms. You know, God of Secrets and Magic. Yeah. Like one of those things. But I don't remember the names because... It was like an Illuvia or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it could, could, could I do like the, the video game equivalent of like universalist Unitarian? Like, could I just like followers of the apocalypse up in here? Yeah. That's, that's a good, yeah. that's a pretty good, uh, Might be mine. uh, chaos mode. Even though, man, oh, the, uh, the Habologists, like they actually do get superpowers. They do. <laughs> and stuff. They're right about a lot of things. Like you can go in there and get there, get like, defragmented from your thetons and get increases to your stats how much of that's mind over matter though i don't know <laughs> you know but does it matter and does that matter mm-hmm. you know if if it if it's if it works it works like they've proven to be the correct religion weirdly enough <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so yeah i don't know it's just all their atrocities and such <laughs> yeah yeah they're not they're not great people <laughs> uh what were you gonna say before i cut you off oh i was gonna say chaos mode the silent hill one you know oh sure yeah vincent seems okay up until the very end yeah they're they're probably like you know you just do fish fries and stuff like any shriners club yeah thing and during that part it's fine (laughs) you know so it's 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 like creed says in the office you know i've I've founded some cults i've been in some cults uh you get richer as the founder but you have more sex as the member so it kind of balances out (laughs) yeah you could uh and we could work your way up Uh uh-huh yeah. you know uh yeah like put you in, do in a cult put in your famously time. upwardly mobile and fair <laughs> meritocracies cults yeah uh, dustin says uh npcs in rpgs vary wildly in quality from classic jrpg characters who are just signposts to FromSoft npcs who are few in number but meaningful to the plot but there's another weird category ocarina and shenmue gave these npcs their own schedules and routines in order to make these locations more immersive skyrim has these sorts of towns everywhere on the map with only a select number of npcs that can feel distinct do you think these sorts of locations add to the immersion of the world or is it just unnecessary set dressing that can be cut make every town a menu (laughs) um, (laughs) wait let me just 
and it's a gavel. So it is decreed. Yeah, this, so it's done. Many towns. Yeah, uh, in in a Skyrim or something is when I, I like the uh, the every character has a schedule mm-hmm. when it's not um, a chore for me to find them. Yes. Uh, and that is uh, the charitable way of saying I like it when every town member has a schedule, when it influences when I can break into their house. Yes. Um, if it's something where I just need to talk to them at a certain time and I need to remember that, like, you know, Johnny Chicken Farmer uh, spends sunset down by the beach. I don't like that. Uh, and I understand people dig it and they they get into that. I just don't take any joy in that kind of, like, figuring out a logic grid. Yeah. Of figuring out a schedule, like I'm much more of a like skulk outside someone's house until their light goes off, and then sneak around take yeah. their stuff. And I don't know if that makes it more immersive. That just is the the big thing. I like one of the big things I like about those games. Yeah, uh, personally, the, that seems to be more 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 about those spaces than those people is the thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So like, I don't care who owns this house. Like, there are cool details about that, but even that is like down to you know spaces. One of the best moments in Oblivion, you know, when I was playing that was when I was going around like one of the richer districts in town, and I found a hatch into their basement, and it was full of Dark Brotherhood stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, that's the good shit. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. Do I know the name of the person who lived there? No, don't, don't care yeah. either. <laughs> and you, know. you don't know their schedule or anything either. Like the important part of that uh, schedule bit was that they weren't around for you to break so you could break into their house or they were sleeping. Yeah. You so, know, like when it drives, specifically if it drives discovery or drives a plot thing, mm-hmm. that's cool. If it's just something I have to keep track of to go, talk to somebody i'm not i don't i don't like the dollhouse aspect of this right which is like what what feels like i like i hate the npcs in shenmue yeah like i i hate a lot about shenmue but i really hate the like just going and oh like you know granny uh you know she she works down at the fish market in the morning and if i need to talk to her to to just do this arbitrary next piece of this information chain Mm -hmm. that i'm doing to advance this adventure game i just need to know where she's at Yes. Like that, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That depresses the hell out of me. <laughs> um, I only really like this in, in terms of uh, mechanical and discovery stuff personally. Yeah. Same. I just, you know, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about immersion recently. Just not a, not, not a thing that I value, uh, at least in regards, uh, you know, certain things that might get in the way. Um, yeah. Don't necessarily, I, don't know, I think I think about something that is uh, that that is a little bit like this, which is you know pathologic. But like, what changes is, you know, like they they're in different places on, based on the day and based on like where the story's at. You know, time yeah, time yeah. a world state. Yeah, time marches on, and that that world state is there. But like, I don't know. Even that is like you have your main shakers, and then you have the background characters, right? You have the extras. You know, I don't necessarily yeah. care about care about the extras, at least insofar as like I know in the morning I can find the kids to give them sharp things for pills. And I know in yeah. the in the evening I can I can find the carousers to give them water for sharp things. Right. Yeah. And and thus uh, completing the cycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it, it ends up, it, it's literally just a, a thing where, uh, you know, to your menu point, right? Like if a town is effectively a menu, mm-hmm. I want it to be a menu. Yeah. And, and that was the case with a lot of, uh, old JRPGs that I played, not all of them, uh, you know, but a lot of times it was just a series of shops and then people wandering around. Mm-hmm. And then also every once in a while you could find a potion in a, in a garbage can, Yeah, 
you know, but the, the actual exploring the towns did not tell you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go to like <clears throat> Mesidia, which should have an incredible identity mm-hmm. of its own, all of its identity comes from the music. And you know, the two every NPCs. Every once in a while you run to an NPC who will cast a spell on you, which is pretty, I, mean, I guess I used a bad example because that's a pretty good one. <laughs> that's a pretty good but one. But that, yeah. that is the town, that and the dwarf town are the ones that have personality. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the elf town, the uh, there are elves there. Yep. And there's uh, some extra water feature, but exploring that and walking around, that doesn't do a whole lot. You know, most of what you're getting there is the music mm-hmm. uh, in terms of giving it an identity. Um, if there, that goes away, if there are like back entrances to shops, you can go into yeah. to, to steal, or, uh, you can find people's secret basement dungeons by going through their fireplace and shit like that. Like make JRPG NPCs or make RPG or NPCs in general, not even uh, genre dependent, make NPCs and the spaces they live in matter. Mm-hmm. And then it justifies itself. Yes. Otherwise get that shit out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see, uh, looking at our time. Yeah, we can do, uh, let's do one more game question, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, move on. Uh, sounds good. Yeah. Chris says, uh, with every new, uh, gaming generation, graphics, uh, get better and better. But in recent years, the leap has been smaller. Do you think technology will eventually plateau if it hasn't already? Also, cheeky, cheeky follow-up question. How do you think gaming can improve in other ways outside of graphically? Can the more powerful technology be used to make games more immersive or mechanically impressive? And if so, how? Uh, that last uh, one's not for me. That's for smarter people who make games to decide. <laughs> yeah, the, the answer is like probably yes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, of course. Yeah. There, there are things we, we haven't uh, haven't thought of. Yeah. You know, and there are things um, that even just even recently are technological things like the uh, RE4 VR version. Yes. Like reloading in that is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a new mechanic. Yeah. You know, it, it changes the, the the feel of that game entirely. Yeah. Having to manually reload. And there are, I mean, just things that we have played recently where there are limitations built in that they had to abandon plans. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Singularity, right? Where mm-hmm. we can't have the two time periods in memory at the same time. Well, now with solid state drives and stuff, we can. You know, that, yeah. is, a, the, 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 that is a thing that we can do. Uh, now with persistent online connections, we can have invasions in, uh, in Deathloop, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's 100% certainly there will be. And then in terms of a plateau, I think it's going to be like a Zeno's paradox kind of thing a little bit. Yeah. Like everyone will determine when their plateau is. It won't literally plateau. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, we we will get uh, closer to verisimilitude. We will be able to do new artistic things. uh, But we are getting, uh, you know, the this is not a original observation. I'm not saying that to slam Chris. It's just something we've said before and other people have said as well. Mm -hmm. Like the difference between PS1 and PS2 is bigger than the difference between PS4 and PS5. Yes. Like just objectively, hands down. And Mm -hmm. and that difference is probably going to be bigger than the difference between PS5 and PS6. Yeah. You know, we are going to get increasingly small increments, but I don't know if we'll ever actually plateau. We just get to a point where people, like you as an individual, get to the point where you stop caring. Yes, that I think is the thing that will happen faster. Uh, And also, uh, you know, you're going to find places where just like, yeah, I kind of don't necessarily 
okay, this difference feels, you know, incredibly small to me, but for somebody else who's maybe a little bit fresher on their, on their ride of watching this stuff, will think that that is, you know, the biggest deal, you know, like, oh, the facial animation in Horizon Forbidden West, you know, miles, leaps and bounds beyond Horizon um, Zero Dawn, you know, somebody possibly maybe has said that and like, I don't know, they both look like faces to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's highly uh, subjective. Like we can, it is objective that the faces between Horizon Zero Dawn and the faces of Silent Hill 2 yeah. are worlds apart. It is subjective that the differences between Forbidden West and Zero Dawn mm-hmm. are different enough to be like, you know, d- to make a difference. Yeah. You know, there's a degree of granularity that is up to the individual, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, poses a, a real fuck off problem for marketers and good. <laughs> At a certain point, your audience is going to stop caring about the only thing you have to sell. Go fuck yourselves. Uh, <laughs> people are marketing graphics and stuff on new, uh, new consoles. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to try to get excited about the, the PlayStation 5.5. Yeah. You can't I, make me. I was going to say, <laughs> Gary, we literally opened with a response from somebody who worked in game marketing. <laughs> uh, I, that was, uh, so, uh, Manny, Manny works in other stuff as sure. well okay i i kind of know manny from from twitter mm-hmm. uh that was certainly not about manny i mean people trying to sell me new and oh, fancier yeah. consoles by how many rubber ducks it can render in a tub yeah yeah i uh that it's just never at some point i'm gonna decide i don't want to play this game and then they have no power over me it's <laughs> yeah. awesome oh my buttons are on the inside you don't get access to them yeah yeah you laugh at me because i'm different <laughs> i however laugh at you because you're the same. Mm, I saw that T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, studying katanas. <laughs> Kurt um, Cobain, <laughs> Ragavan, <laughs> Kurt Cobain, <laughs> RGB. Uh, the uh, I always say RGB. <laughs> Ruth Gator Binsberg, which is not correct. <laughs> you're, you're thinking of red, green, blue. <laughs> yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking. I'm thinking of. Oh, it was a cable I once knew. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of some equipment I knew, not the Supreme Court it was, justice it was, who passed away. It was it was a wise it was a wise cable monster who once said <laughs> who uh dissented a lot. <laughs> uh eloquent dissensions that didn't change what happened. Uh Regavan uh says, What does a day in your life look like when you have video games to play for the show? Do you wake up and go straight to gaming? Is it a marathon binge? Do you have to force yourself with discipline? Give us details of this dream job and thank you for the show. What do you, what do you think, Cole? I, you're more rootinated than I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I pretty much just play games for the show when I feel like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly, usually it's after I, uh, after I take care of stuff on days when I record, um, you know, it's just a handful of days a week. I usually don't do any assignment, assignment play on those, uh, just because those are, you know, you know so the, the morning, the morning and early afternoon, noon are for prep afternoon for me is recording and then you know getting stuff getting stuff afterwards but like i don't know if i'm if i'm waking up and getting right to gaming usually that is something i'm doing like I, it's a game i will play for fun um and uh wake and uh, quake yeah <laughs> wake and quake yeah it took me too long to come up with it but <laughs> frantically searching for video games that rhyme with bake uh, it was good i, I liked it i appreciate oh, it thank you yeah uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's no like strict thing. It's just like, I budget out like, okay, I need to get up through like this point by roughly this time. Basically the exact same thing I used to do in school when there was like assigned reading or homework or stuff. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. 
uh, for me, uh, on recording days, uh, get up, eat breakfast, prep, record. Um, after that, uh, most of my structure, uh, I, I'm basically the same where I play, I have a, a whiteboard mm-hmm. I keep up, um, not a big board. And I have a list of all the games that uh, I have not completed that are in the order that I need to complete them. Mm-hmm. So I can look at them and be like, oh, this is what I should do. Yep. And uh, most of the uh, the structure I have comes from other like events. Like I will do band practice or I'll do game night or I'll hang out with my girlfriend on the weekend. Uh, other nights I typically will work. Yeah. So if I'm not doing one of those things, I'm almost always uh, plugging away at something. Because mm-hmm. uh, I like being ahead. And then uh, what happens is I do sprints and then catch-ups and it's not super great. I get ahead mm-hmm. on work and then I play something for fun. Yeah. Uh, until I get behind and then have to scramble. Yeah. So it is a continu- uh, continuous blue shell mm-hmm. kind of existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me. Yeah. But the but, but the blue shell is something you throw at yourself t- from two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a it's a time travel blue shell situation. <laughs> oh, Just con- I'm in the future, giving birth to a hairy, <laughs> hairy blue shell with teeth. <laughs> hairy battery <laughs> with blue shell qualities. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Kenneth writes, you fellows have successfully turned your hobby into your career. Um, has this had an overall positive or negative impact on your attitude toward your hobby? Um, I hope it's been overwhelmingly positive for your attitude towards your careers. Has there been any unexpected side effects of merging your hobby and career? Is there anything you wish that you knew about the hobby and career dynamic before you merged them? Uh, the last question for me first, because it's the easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. Yeah. Like, I know that's an unsatisfying answer, but, uh, you know, there, nothing about the um, the hobby or about games that I wish I knew. There are obviously just dozens and dozens of things. Like, every decision that we've made mm-hmm. as we've moved along, uh, I, of <laughs> course, was like, oh, why didn't I think of that earlier? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, who knows, though, if, you know, like like any kind of causality thing, who knows if that would have worked right you know maybe it wouldn't have worked then maybe everything came at the time it needed to Mm -hmm. uh and is actually organic and and fine yeah Uh, impossible to know uh unhealthy to think about yeah no and Um, you know i i don't do an awful lot of second guessing or like oh here's stuff that i wish that i knew obviously there are things that uh you know just details about the job and how to how to interact with people and stuff like that but like no, I'm really happy with where we're at. Like I, you know, am super grateful. So I'm not, you know, looking, I've got, I don't have regrets about any of it really, you know? And as far as like games and stuff, you think, Oh, you're doing this stuff for the show. You're not getting to play stuff for fun, et cetera, or whatever. I have like a big list of all the games I've played since like the year 2000s, you know, and there's data, you know, like how many did I beat in a given year? And that went from like playing and beating maybe, you know, six to 10, something like that to, you know, I beat 50 plus games every year now, more than, more than one a week. A lot of them are for shows, you you know, or for streaming or Mm -hmm. whatever, but like, I don't know. I get to play a lot of games in this and that, uh, you know, I enjoy, you know, I don't enjoy all of them. Uh, Anybody who listens to the show or watches the streams knows that, but like, it's still cool to get to engage in it. And I don't feel like jaded or burned out. We, 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 it would come through and we'd have to stop doing it. Yes. Like you, you couldn't do this game if you didn't like playing video or do this job if you didn't like playing video games. I know. Right. (laughs) 
you know, uh, and, and it's, it, it's part of what makes, um, cause we both, lo- you know, love the hobby and it's part mm-hmm. of what makes when people are like, oh, you guys are just assholes looking for negative things to say about stuff. Really frustrating mm-hmm. because, uh, nobody like at no point do I want to have a bad time? Mm-hmm. This is how I'm spending a lot of my time. Like, even if it's, uh, a relatively short game for the show, uh, it's 10, 20 hours. Who wants to have 10, 20 hours of a bad time? Yeah. I don't go you looking know, for I, that. Like, that's not yeah, a posture that I want to take. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, if we don't, if we're not having fun, we come by it honest. It's not because we're jaded and we don't like gaming. I would much rather be playing something that I like mm-hmm. and that, you know, is, is good. Like, yes. I don't think that's my job as a critic. I don't think that's what the show should be, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, you know, we both still really like doing this and are looking for it to work. Yeah. And be fun. You mm-hmm. know, ideally, if we never played another game that like I hated, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that would be good for the texture of the show. Right. But I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm not going to regret that time no. playing those games. No. Yeah. Don't, don't no. really have uh, complaints or regrets, you know, not, yeah. a, not in a big, meaningful way, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to some media questions. Let's do. Uh, let's see. I think this is you. Uh, Lewis says, what song just fucking melts you? Gary, you alluded to Skeeter Davis's end of the world before, uh, Donnie and Joe Emerson's baby, which I first saw in the comedy with Tim Heidecker immediately comes to mind for me. What else? Um, uh, current, good. The, uh, Larry Seafreeze, uh, bless the telephone, which is, uh, like I just heard that for the first time this year and is one of my all time favorite love songs. Uh, I find that song really heartbreaking and sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's my current answer for that. Yeah. Um, uh, like a lot of this stuff is, you know, stuff that takes me a little bit further back. So like, um, uh, you know, Desperado by the Eagles or <sighs> Heavy Rose Has Its Thorns. Sure, Despacitos. Yeah. No, no, my, my yeah. actual answer, uh, like, you know, just, just st- stuff that is just kind of always been effect- uh, affecting or meaningful since college. So like there's a track back of a river called Yellow that just fucking uh, uproots me. Um, mm. uh, there just a, a, a number of tracks off of, uh, Shearwater's, uh, winged life, uh, as well. The world in 1984, um, uh, makeover, uh, the convert, things like that. Uh, just, uh, hugely resonant songs, very well performed, um, that, uh, are associated with a particularly emotional time in my life. So, yeah. 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 It's worth noting the end of the world is also associated with, a meaningful time in my life yeah. that meaningful time being the first time i saw the trailer for marvel's eternals <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know if uh, if lewis or you have heard it but uh, man there's a, a neko case song um called something like honolulu 3 a.m or 4 a.m or something mm-hmm. that's about her uh being on vacation and watching um a mother scream at her kid oh god and like just be real mean to her kid and it's like the saddest fucking song mm. Like it's absolutely like heartrending song. Mm. Like she's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jonathan says, uh, admittedly, this is more of a Gary question, but as a cosmic horror fan, I haven't actually read anything that features those good bad boys, Haster and Nyarlathotep and want to deepen my appreciation of them. What books, comics, movies, etc., should I consume to really get a definitive example of them? Uh, so I have not read tons of uh, fiction outside of the original sources mm-hmm. of these uh, prose fiction, yeah. Um, because it is really hard to know with uh, Lovecraftian stuff what is worthwhile. Yes. 
Um, and then the, uh, the embarrassing thing that I, I've, I'll refer to is I just don't read as much prose as I used to. Yeah. I read nonfiction and then I'll read comics and shit. Uh, it's not, I'm like not proud of it, but it's just true. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, the things I can throw at you though. Uh, so the Alan Moore, uh, Lovecrafty verse stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these characters, it's a really great uh, take on Irolathotep. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the not perfect, but I still think has a lot of merit comic uh, Fall of Cthulhu. Okay. Which was a, a Boom Studios thing uh, that has some dodgy art and some juvenile writing at points, but is full of really good ideas. Uh, and it has really good versions of these uh, these guys. Yeah. And um. No, I and no. I just the I, I, you have better answers than I do. Like you know, like for Haster stuff, obviously go back to the source. Go to Robert W. Chambers, the, the first story, the first four stories in uh, the 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 King in Yellow. Um, great way to do. I've done Halloween readings of two of those stories so far. Uh, if you're on Patreon, you can go and uh, check those out. Uh, the I did the Repair Reputations and the Mask. Um, Weirdly, I, not Haster. Like there's no Haster right yeah, like it's such that's... it's such a, a gestalt thing like those are great stories mm-hmm. yeah like you know the, the wonderful but they're not about the thing at all they 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 you know like it they yeah. very far predate uh like when haster was made into uh into another thing it's more about carcosa and uh and you know the, and play, the play the the play itself yeah yeah it just i wasn't saying that as a criticism of you i was just saying no that no it's just it makes it tricky to know where to go mm-hmm to get this stuff because our idea of like a Haster as a, as a fan of that stuff is this weird gestalt that instead of having a definitive text is weirdly largely born of the tabletop game. Yes. Yeah. You know, and things influenced by it. Mm-hmm. So like, I'd also say like, go back to the source books mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, read some Call of Cthulhu modules. Yeah. About them T- T- Tatters of the King ripples from Carcosa. Um, uh, the Delta Green book, the Labyrinth, that we refer yep. to, which is about like modern day versions of those. I don't think they're. I, I don't remember Neralathotep factoring into those, but you do get um, uh, the Go with a Million Young and um, uh, Haster stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the um, Mask of Neralathotep is oh, a yeah. good um, campaign mm-hmm. for like twenties old twenties Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. Uh, what does Kieran say? Um, Kieran says, uh, which classic Simpsons episodes are your favorites? I always appreciate the amount of references you two throw around. Um, it hits me firmly in the funny bone. Uh, yeah, this is this is hard. Yeah, it's at some point I, I like had like a, you know, a list. Mm-hmm. But and I and I my favorite changes all the time as well. Always. Yeah. You know, for this. So like summer of four foot two, you only move twice. Uh Marge be not proud. Mm-hmm. Uh Bart sells his soul. <laughs> Bart sells um, his soul is so good. That, that's like that's a great episode. <sighs> if the Ayatollah can't have it, no one can. <laughs> <laughs> Ayatollah Khomeini is consolidating his power. <laughs> I don't care who's consolidating their power. <laughs> I, I, I would love to have a uh, an alternate universe where the Ayatollah does get Bartzel's soul. <laughs> it's a creepy pasta I'd read. <laughs> what, 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 what would he do with it? Yeah, I don't know. God, that guy. It's you know, unpredictable. That's what makes him an Ayatollah. I I, yeah. I know that's, that's, that alone is what makes him an Ayatollah. 
<laughs> oh gosh. Don't deny it till uh, and in the end is right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh any of the ones with some heart, that's why that's why I like uh um that's why I really enjoy Bart Sells a Soul. Uh, uh mm-hmm. oh gosh, Homer the Heretic is amazing to me. I like that yeah. quite a bit. Uh, uh, great episode. Uh, uh, season five has a ton of bangers. Cape Fear uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, is 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 one of those. Bart's inner child. <laughs> Bart's inner child is very. I'm, good. A, I'm, a, I'm a human going. Uh, yeah. uh, sp- sp- Springfield with a dollar sign. Oh, mountains, mountain Redicare. of madness. Mountain of madness. Oh, Just God. a banger yeah, from front to back. Is... Yeah, put put, uh, on, <laughs> put on your corpse handling gloves. <laughs> yeah, something's wrong with its brakes. Um, yeah, that, those those are just wonderful yeah so yeah uh it, it, in that era it's hard to it's harder to find stuff that like is a is a dud mm-hmm. you know every once in a while you watch something you're like oh this is yeah. like the homer boxing one i never liked lisa the skeptic or lisa the, yeah lisa yeah the skeptic. yeah lisa the skeptic Rough is stuff. the is the um negative uh side of the like the simpson religion stuff don't yeah. uh don't don't care for that one the uh really episode yeah the um oh gosh the musical stuff can be a coin flip like sometimes it's yeah some of the you know series highs uh such as a streetcar named marge that like everything like the music in that is fucking great um yeah. you know and like funny it has jokes uh and also it's all very short <laughs> that's the difference with yeah. the uh the musical uh because you're know, watching modern simpsons they're constantly singing it's like yeah. an animaniacs episode or some shit and the uh the songs don't have jokes in them yeah so. Uh, Maya asks, uh, with the final season airing currently, can I get y'all's tight five on Better Call Saul? If you haven't seen it, uh, can you at least wax upon Bob Odenkirk's talent and how scary it was when we almost lost him last year? Uh, I love Better Call Saul when we almost lost him, when he was collapsed on the uh, on the set. Uh, it was basically as close to when Marge thought Lenny was in the hospital. Like I started, not, yeah. <laughs> not Lenny. <laughs> you know, not I, just, Bob. I started making like a need a need a point thing. You know, get well soon, Bob. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, Better Call Saul's great. It's amazing. Uh, it has one of I the just best. Started, uh, uh, season five yesterday. Uh, season five. Uh, or yeah, the, the, newest... the first one to come to Netflix, or it just came to Netflix. It just came season to Netflix. Five. Oh, you're in for some treats. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited at Lalo, man. <laughs> Lalo's that actor great. is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> what a font of charisma. He ended up being in Hawkeye. Hmm. Uh, it was the second time I saw him. And he's real good in that as well. Yeah. But just like a million dollar smile on that guy. Oh, man. Very Handsome good. for a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how it keeps getting better. Uh, but uh, yeah, better call Saul. It's like the, the uh, trial, the uh, arbitration yeah. trial uh, from uh, season four, I believe um yes huge one of the best episodes of television yeah chicanery mm-hmm. the one with the uh yeah yeah that's uh that's incredible it's a i don't like getting into so i rewatched uh breaking bad before mm-hmm. i got into watching better call Saul. i don't like the fighting them against each other no uh, no thing. and i haven't been converted over to the oh it's way better than breaking bad thing, right, which is right. a popular opinion like i think they have different charms yep they're different shows uh, they can coexist yeah very different shows. Uh, the first season of Better Call Saul, I I struggled with because the pace is so hangout and loosey goosey. Yeah. In the first season, like it's real chill. It took me a long time to adjust to like, oh, nothing's going to necessarily happen for a while. Right. You know, we we're establishing a baseline for longer than I thought. 
Yes. Uh, and then I think in season two and three, and obviously four, like it just picks up into full speed. Awesome. It takes Great a while show. for the characters to uh, to 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 kind of get their charm. I think Kim was a little bit of a rough putt for a minute yeah, before yeah. I figured out. But she became great. Oh, Kim's amazing. Yeah, I'm just yeah. they they just had to give her stuff to do aside from you know stand in the garage and smoke and be a sounding board for uh, for uh, um, Jimmy, Jimmy, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it took it took a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get there. So. Yeah, but it's worth the investment. You know, you start getting into stuff, you know, because that's also like, yes, it's it's Jimmy's story, but it's also Mike's and uh, the cartel as well. Yeah. You know, so uh, you get, you get you not nacho. Uh, nacho stuff is great. Yeah. 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 And uh, and you get uh, uh, Mark Proach. <laughs> Just an absolute scene stealer. Hilarious storyline. <laughs> All of it from front to front because funny, like my funny base- as hell the entire time. <laughs> my baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, like he's like, yeah, this guy's a cake sitter. <laughs> it's what it sounds like. Um, yeah, very good. Oh man. <laughs> Let's see. I think this is you. Oh wait, no. Uh, I, I, this, nope. is, this, this is me. Cassandra says, uh, media question. Seeing Inspector Vision dropped Richard Stanley last year due to abuse allegations, uh, who do you think would be a good director or writer to fill out future Lovecraft adaptations? Uh, personally, on the strength of The Lighthouse, I'd love to see Robert Eckers tackle The Shadow of Rensmith, uh, and for Benson and Moorhead to tackle The Dunwich Horror. Uh, those are both good. Yeah. Um, I was, I was thinking of Robert Eggers with mountains of madness yeah, uh, because of the, uh, the in situ kind of ways able to do like mm-hmm. have it be real to a twenties expedition with all of that, that kind of detail yes. and that hard scrabble, mm-hmm. you know, would eat in life. Uh, but also would be a great, uh, Innsmouth. agreed the dialects and the like, yeah, no, I don't know that. I don't know that I have an answer better than, uh, better than Cassie's. No. The, uh, I would like to see, uh, the Safdie brothers do a interpretation of one of the stories where like, it's just a ratchet, you know, of things getting worse mm-hmm. the entire time. Like, um, you know, like, a, a like a Safdie brothers, like, um, God, what, is, what am I thinking of? Uh, uh, Dexter Ward or something mm, yeah. with like, just it you know, that weird way that that, those movies feel like having a heart attack for two hours, (laughs) like just tense. Like you do not know what's happening as things keep, or like call of Cthulhu almost as well. Yeah. A story that just keeps getting like bigger and bigger, just pan out to the next, you know, uh, story within a story uh, where things are continuously turning to shit. What, uh, what Um, have the Safety brothers done that I'm uh, uncut gems and good time. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Uncut Gems, you must watch Uncut Gems. I have not seen Uncut uh, Gems. It's like a two-hour heart attack. <laughs> it's cool. very good. <laughs> like it's great. <laughs> it's real tense. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's do a couple of show questions, and then uh, hit the lightning round, and then read some responses. Let's do. Uh, just a couple of these. Uh, Joe says, I've been thinking about the asymmetrical relationship between content creators and the listeners. Have either of you ever had any poor or interesting experiences when meeting or interacting with listeners stemming from potential overfamiliarity they may feel from listening to your thoughts or opinions in your lives? Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, none of them are like big fun stories, you right. know? but that that's the nature of, uh, of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a, uh, for the most part, I've been very lucky. Like, few people have been weirdos mm-hmm. 
you know, every once in a while, uh, some people have been real weirdos, but generally like people have been cool. Yeah. No meeting in person is pretty much always been fine. You, you know, find yeah. it good. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it is the, uh, it is the, the, the Twitter over familiarity and, um, kind of like just, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, reply guy kind of stuff where it's like, ah, it's a response to every tweet, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I just got to the point with that too, where I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I just got to where I just don't want to interact, Yeah, you know, uh, specifically like one of my goals for this year is to no longer give error to the, like, no, it isn't uh, <laughs> response to things. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it is it, for me to say something, it is fine to you know disagree, but it's not advancing the conversation just to be like, no, <laughs> um, you know, that's for you to tweet on your timeline. No, you, you say your opinion about the thing and then they both exist. And there we go. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to start a conversation, that's one thing, but, um, you know, just know it isn't, yeah. uh, not into, yeah. uh, and this, this obviously like varies by mood and stuff like that yeah. too, right? They're, like there, it's a weird, like I've said this before, it's a dream job. Uh, the problems are better than the problems in other jobs, but they're unique as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that are difficulties in this, I have had no experience with and yeah. there's no, you know, there's no other job and you can't, uh, vent to people cause they don't get it. Because it's not because it's a weird problem. Uh, good luck finding you know? a therapist in rural Ohio who understands uh, that you <laughs> you know that this is not just the kind of thing where like hey just just close the computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, so it's a, it's a it's a little goofy that way, but for the most part, uh, very lucky. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and we we have some responsibility for some of that overfamiliarity too, because like it's always been part of our approach to this is that we're not, uh, you know, putting on big, uh, showy entertainment personas. Yeah. Like there's a degree of character work that happens and exaggeration of ourselves for jokes, but you know, it, it's very rare that, uh, like I outright lie on the show. Yeah. If I'm saying something that is, that is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, if I'm saying something that's true, I'm not lying, <laughs> but you know what I mean? If I'm saying something about myself, I'm generally telling the truth. Uh, but just because I'm doing that does not mean, that people listening like know me to the degree that like they should be giving me medical advice yeah. or like the person who, when my cat died was like, I don't understand why you're upset. You're just going to get another one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like even if you, you know, it's not even just about you not knowing me. Like that's just, you know, what an asshole, <laughs> you know, like I, what, what about uh, your previous experience in life made you think that was a good thing to say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh so that that is like you know that's a stranger who's just able to like you know say something really mean to me out of nowhere yeah uh, and having those channels open you know can be tough yeah but occupational hazard yep worth it yep um uh, let's see uh l- let's let's do this one real quick or should, should, yeah, should we? we have some new listeners yeah probably we, we, we should yeah uh al says i'm somewhat new around here uh, sorry if this has been covered before. How did Duckfeed start? Uh, did you start making podcasts first and then realized you could turn it into a business? Or did you start making podcasts with the uh, intent of making a business in the first place? How long uh, did you have to work on this before you started making enough money to pay yourselves and do this full time? Uh, how many employees do you have? Do you see yourselves doing this for the foreseeable future? Or are there other endeavors uh, you would still like to do someday? Yeah, I mean, this is a an alternate, like a elaboration on the question. Yes. Anyway, that we, we usually get the short answer of how we started. Uh, we met on the something awful forums, both mm-hmm. individually podcasting and a podcast critique. Yep. 
uh, thread and then uh, decided to get together to make a show because I listened to Cole's uh, version of what the, what was the, what is now the level mm-hmm. uh, and was talking about playing a Breath of Fire game and nobody playing it and I me being like I could play a Breath of Fire game mm-hmm. uh, and then now I don't want to play a Breath of Fire game <laughs> but at the time I did yeah. uh, the uh, ten years ago I did yeah um, yeah and that's that's uh, that's and then it just kind of continued from there like the you know Watch Our Fireballs was more popular than either of our other shows mm-hmm. uh, that we've been doing like when we looked at the download numbers like it was not uh you know huge or anything we weren't doing serial numbers but it was big for us yeah uh it was big and it was just like oh yeah this is this is fun to do and people seem to like it so let's spend more time into it let's uh you know expand it um never had a like a like a reckon that i would be able to do this as a full-time job when i started you know um mm-hmm. even podcasting or even when we kind of got together uh, you know, I had start, you know, remain podcasting because I, had, you know, I went to school for media for like radio television stuff. And I was looking for jobs in the, in the field, looking for production jobs, things like that. Uh, and I had continued podcasting in order to kind of keep my chops up and because it was fun to do. Um, and mm-hmm. just as this, uh, you know, like that basically started off and started my last job, uh, at the same time and then waff just at waff and the network kind of grew alongside of it took many many years before it was like i can support myself i can support myself entirely on this like it actually like wasn't until well after uh <laughs> well after i lost my previous job that it was like comfortable um so let's say eight years something like that yeah yeah it, it took a while i started doing it part-time a little bit sooner than that like yeah you know, took a part-time job on top of it because I didn't like my other job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it was not part of the plan. No. Um, no. Uh, we have no employees. Mm-hmm. We hire people to do uh, art and music and the like mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. Uh, that will change. Yes. At some point. Um, we're in processes of maybe making some changes. Nothing we want to announce. But like, we're going to figure that out. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't uh, make sense for us to do it all. Right. Um. You know, at this point. And like... Uh, you know, I, I always have a like a, a mild and knee-jerk and unfair disdain for podcasts that have producers. Right. Uh, but that's because they start out with a producer. <laughs> right. You know, like they're just like, oh, I can't do a podcast until I have a producer. Uh, <laughs> and they get uh, one of their friends to do all their editing and stuff. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it just doesn't. Uh, but if, if we're already at the point where like somebody could be paid. Mm-hmm. For the work, like I just don't want to ask anybody to do anything for free no, if we're getting God, paid. No. That's shitty. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so now that we could actually support somebody, I would f- I feel a lot better about that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, got no plans to do anything different. Like I, I'm in this for as long as it makes sense. There are stuff that I would like to do otherwise, uh, but like those are projects, not career kind of things. I kind of would like to be in the space for as long as for as long as the wheels will stay on the car. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, lucky lucked out. Mm-hmm. Don't want to, don't want to throw that out. You know, no. I could see, uh, eventually, you know, that changing, but I don't right now. No, no, not right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it continues and mm-hmm. thanks to support from people like Al. Absolutely. Uh, let's lightning round it up. Let's uh, do Tom says, what's the best diegetic use of music in world, uh, or in world or a song in a video game? Uh, boy, tough. Uh, best is tough. Um, it's like <laughs> the only good thing about Bioshock Infinite. We talked about that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, 
I'm going to say, uh, just because of recency bias, uh, I'm going to say that I got a real good thrill out of the siren monster things in Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. The first time I heard that and then went to go investigate the source, thinking <laughs> I was going to find an NPC or a merchant or something like in Demon uh. Souls, and finding a monster uh, was real good. <laughs> yeah no i just I, I i made a fun simpsons meme about that i i it was too it was too good not to but uh but yeah i really enjoyed it's like uh oh it's a mini boss shit i fall i fell for the yep. trick <laughs> yep that that was great it yeah felt real good. uh similar version uh so, you know same series ish uh the the entire shrine of Ramana, shrine of amana uh with the milfinito and uh ultimately the demon of song um all yeah. of that stuff was real good um yeah uh and like a lot of this is going to be examples that we've already given the opera in uh final fantasy 6 the um oh gosh the radio and silent hill uh augmenting the noise soundtrack with its static uh things like that yeah yeah lots of examples lots of good examples spec ops mm-hmm. oh yeah really good song uh alpha protocol with uh the boss fight <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, what does uh, Holland say? Holland says, uh, "What game that never ended up, ended up coming out were you most excited for? Either canceled or wallowed in development hell." The Arcane Ravenholm game. Ooh, I didn't. You know, I guess I forgot that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Currently, I'm pretty bummed out that uh, Rocksmith Plus hasn't come out that was supposed to launch late last fall they did a beta and then they just it, I, I don't know if it's shelved or what but it's just not there and for some reason mm. rocksmith 2014 no longer runs on my computer anymore so chase asks me and my friends want to get into D, but all of us have zero experience any suggestions for how to get into it uh i would recommend watching matt colville's running the game videos uh whoever your dungeon master uh is going to be as mm-hmm. a nice starting point. Yeah. So, I've never seen yeah, those, those videos. Are, those are good DM advice game videos. Yeah. Um, being that I, the last time I played D&D, well, the last time I played D&D was when we did that session um, out at uh, out at uh, your groups, right? Mm-hmm. The one-off thing that we recorded. But um, yeah, no, the uh, last time I was really active doing it was 20 years ago. So, uh, I would say read source books and then never actually play and yeah. your advice sounds better. <laughs> yeah, travel back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would watch watch those videos and then, uh, just get together and do it. Yep. Uh, your own group is going to determine how, what kind of group you're going to play as don't feel like you have to emulate, you know, a critical role or, or what have you, or, you know, how other people play D and D. Yeah. Like it's about you and your friends having fun and whatever, uh, all your friends together think is the most fun. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the beauty of the the beauty of the medium, the collaborative storytelling, tabletop rules kind of stuff is that you have mm-hmm. control over it. Yeah. Uh, Nathan writes spring cleaning. Do you do it? <laughs> Weirdly aggressive <laughs> English. Do uh, you speak it? <laughs> do you speak it? Uh, do you lift? Um, I do not do specific spring cleaning. I get rid of stuff before I move. Mm-hmm. I move all the time. Um, but I don't do like a specific deep clean, uh, in the spring. Yeah. I'm kind of always in the process of moving stuff around of, you know, going through closets, organizing things. If anything happens during spring, it's because I'm opening up my windows, you know, the blinds, uh, things like that. And 
uh, let's say light and air are getting into places where they hadn't been before. And that inspires like, oh, I didn't notice there was that this was fucking filthy. Uh, let me let me mm-hmm. you know get that. Uh, but it's not like a, a, a huge event. It's just more that natural conditions uh, reveal things to me. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, John says, what fictional restaurant would you all love to visit? I always want to try the million dollar birthday fries at Uncle Mo's family feedback. The thing about the million dollar birthday fries. <laughs> they do just look like fries with firework parts in them. Yeah. And you have to like, eat them off of uh, off of a very unpleasant man's head sweaty head (laughs) the oil is burning him uh this is kind of cheating but uh we're gonna be recording about an episode of the venture brothers tonight uh where part of it takes place at a novelty novelty ninja themed restaurant uh and i think it'd be real cool to go there for irony purposes that's real that is based on real that's why it's kind of a cheat yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's a good one uh, this isn't a restaurant, but I like. Uh, I would like to go to Callahan's across time God soon. Damn it, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say if bar <laughs> if bars count, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably serve like chips. Yeah, oh, they do. They've got the free lunch. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a, there'll be a restaurant uh, quality. Like somebody will come back from time with chocolate. Uh huh. That they made. You know, there's, there's snacks. They serve food. Come back from time. <laughs> I am from <Yeah>. history. <laughs> <laughs> we are all existing in history. <laughs> oh gosh uh yuli writes okay so fuck marry kill but your options are patches rune bear and dung eater uh i kill dung eater okay uh the the dung eater revival the weird like kind of ironic dung eater was right stuff that i keep seeing (laughs) i cannot abide it i I mean Uh, it is pretty awful he does yeah he's uh he seems bad um I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to marry Rune Bear. Okay. Big cuddler. All right. Uh, you know, and presumably would treat me better than uh, does in Elden Ring because we'd be married. And then I guess that's fuck Patches. Yeah, I guess. You know? You know? Yeah. The... Okay. You're a so... filthy little cleric, aren't you? <laughs> You're a cleric, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, he hates like... clerics. <laughs> no, that's why that's why it'd be hot to him. Oh, okay, okay. Like it's 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 like the equivalent of call. You know, it's it's about it's going to call him like a, like a, a cum receptacle or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I don't, oh, like a cum receptacle. Yeah, wow. cum receptacle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that you should say that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Cum receptacle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I'm going to have to go. Here's the thing. I'm not going to fuck a bear. Uh, and (laughs) I'm not sure what the expectations are as far as consummation. If you marry the rune bear, obviously I think the rune bear might be the most, uh, might, might be the most, uh, let's say the, 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 the least repugnant of all of these plus this shit's gold. So you can probably get some value out of that. Uh, but you got to kill the rune bear. Okay. He's going to ruin, okay. he's going to ruin your house and wreck up your stuff. All right. Gonna ruin your house. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I, I, I f- fuck the dung eater. Okay. Mm. As long as he doesn't do it to me because I don't want the seed bed curse. Um, You'd be giving him your seed bed curse. Oh yeah, uh, I have no, no idea what that means. Curse. 
<laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> bread gum. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just you know, just to, it's you have to remember he he's not as armor, right? So he is not as uh, he's, he's not as outwardly. Okay, is he? I haven't seen him under the armor. <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. They they made an ugly NPC. Yes. Okay. Uh, so he's not grody like uh, monstrous. He's just not yeah. attractive. I think that it would be like a real combative kind of situation, but Mary Patches, at the very least, Patches is in it for the long haul. Yeah. I, I don't want to move around that much. <laughs> Different universes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I am I am enjoying the idea of a newspaper comic that's like you married to Patches that's like the Longhorns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy Cap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh great uh give a table uh says do you love lamp i uh, love lamp yeah i recently got a nice little lamp for my uh for my office here it's a floral lamp but it kind of has a like a top like a work lamp kind of thing so you can uh oh. move it and i've got one of those Hybrid. one of the one of those uh smart smart bulbs in it so i can turn sure. it blue and stuff like that it's neat it seems smart to me <laughs> it's yeah no it's 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 neat i, I, I like those smart lights uh, and then nice. uh, finally here, Tom writes uh, newlywed game, a WAF edition. Cole, if Gary could only pick one video game uh, to let's see here. Cole, if Gary could only pick one video game to play for the rest of his life, what would it be? Gary, if Cole could only pick one video game to play for the rest of his life, what would it be? Uh, my guess for you is going to be, uh, I mean, I can narrow it down to a class. Yeah. But um, I was going to say uh, Stardew, uh, but also like Prison Architect would also be one of them. Yeah, I I th- th- things either of those probably. I think I would lean more toward the Prison Architect side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, yeah, of, uh, of those management kind of deals. Uh, for oh. you, it'd be a little tough. Can I give you a hint? I, <laughs> not Isaac. Uh, it rhymes with Boards of the Solid. <laughs> lords of the fall oh yeah that is your favorite game ever yeah <laughs> just joking yeah. okay the, uh... <laughs> i i mean I, I i walked into this episode thinking i was gonna say isaac for this just because you now you have thousands of hours yeah. on it um but uh uh no no clue because you said earlier that you don't really play it that much anymore so maybe just, you're yeah, kinda... thousands of hours was my limit yeah i guess for the rest of your life huh yeah, um rest of your life that's i hope this doesn't happen i hope that yeah, it sounds like this a, doesn't happen to this, us. Yeah, this sounds like a terrible curse. Uh, here's here here's what I would say. I would give you something like uh like uh Neverwinter Nights or something that has an engine like a uh, like a like a uh, creation kind of thing, so you could go and get user created stuff. Yeah, that's getting around. But it. That's a good. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good good answer. I was I mean that that's probably if it has to literally be the rest of my life. Yeah, it's like that or Mario Maker or Mario Paint or something. Yeah, it had to be something with a creation. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know create a park effectively endless but uh but you know uh it can either be built to be endless or made effectively endless because of user content yeah yeah because it's a uh, yeah the rest of your life long time mm-hmm. hopefully yeah yeah unless this is just like i'm gonna die in like a couple months and then like <laughs> Ring? i don't know i'll yeah. finish, I'll finish <laughs> my second character and get partway through my third yeah. like i'll be it <laughs> oh man uh yeah, so let's uh, let's get into and do our responses. Remember, we don't have a topic. We're going to be spending extra time on the Chuck E. Cheese responses because we have a bunch, a bunch of those. 
Yeah. And that sounded fun because Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. Um, Randall writes in about the Shrouded Isle. Uh, hey, guys. I had a fun time listening to the the episode I sponsored. No hard feelings about your dislike of the game. I was into it very intensely for a week, but came to the same conclusions more or less. Nice flavor. No nutrients. To be fair, though, I gave you all a choice, and you did choose this over Sunless Seas. You could have <laughs> had a bad bitch shaking my damn head. I uh, love Sunless Seas. It's too long. Yeah. Uh and it's it it would just be like I have wanted to find a way to cover that for a while because those games are cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the skies as well, um, but it, it's uh, like we would just kind of play it for a time and then share our stories. I think. Yeah. Would be the best way, and so that's not saying we couldn't do it, mm-hmm. but Shrouded Isle just seemed manageable and fit into the schedule. Yes, uh, better. And similar to you, I had spent a uh, uh, an amount of time with it and uh, enjoyed it, and thought there was more, and was uh, disappointed to find that there was not. So I think yes. that I was like, "Oh yeah, Shredded Isle, that's the that, that's cool." And I specifically remember the conversation about uh, uh, Sunless Seas coming in. It's like, "Oh, I hear Sunless Sky solves that problem," and the the, the this the. It would feel weird to go back and say, "We see your Sunless Seas," and say, "Can we do Sunless Skies instead?" Uh, yeah. that would about that would have felt weird when somebody had paid money so yeah eventually i think we will mm-hmm. do do some of the skies or some of the seas mm-hmm. or fall in london like we'll we'll do something in that universe because I, I i think that we're both fans of that yeah um it's just about finding a way to make it fit there's also we were choosing games for uh, elden ring yes rush yep so shrouded isle uh you know the lightweight spring that we have going on here uh, intermittently is bonfire side chat related and yeah. will not last forever. No, it won't. Yeah. Uh, Andrew writes as someone who got what I think is the best shrouded aisle ending on my second run. Let me confidently say neither of you are gamer cucks for not beating it. Maybe spreadsheet management cucks. I think, is it a game? Uh, discourse is pointless, but boy, does this game invite it. It feels like Sudoku, uh, except writing a, a six makes the other numbers threaten to kill you. It's like Battleship if correct guesses were marked as misses uh, at a quarter of the time, and you had to manage a Navy morale meter. Uh, it's like a lemonade stand browser game where Buy Sugar has been replaced with Whip Non-Believers, an aesthetic choice so mind-blowing it led to widespread critical praise for what is essentially accounting software. Just kidding. Accounting software has more features and a deeper narrative. Seriously, my jaw dropped when I heard you say the developers were disappointed that players didn't connect to the characters or story. I'm pretty sure Blackjack has a better story and a better RNG. Whoa. Yeah, (laughs) And this is after Andrew started by saying that you're a spreadsheet management cuck. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised you just let that go, too. No, no. One thing I know about you. I think that he says that that we weren't uh, spreadsheet management enough i guess you you are either gamer cucks you're not gamer cucks for not beating it maybe spreadsheet management cucks yeah like if your spreadsheet chops were, were were better then that's okay. what i'm saying how are you letting them get away with that i don't know i think when i'm too dumb spreadsheet to... management chops are like one of your pillars of identity <laughs> I, th- I think that I'm I, I think that I am uh, uh, too dumb to understand the, the the shape and quality of Andrew's shade. <laughs> yeah, and we're just and just getting it from all angles. Yeah, I just I, I mean, Andrew's really going through the throat, going for the throat here. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> like 
Letting it go. <laughs> they continue. No offense to the people who made it. They've done other cool stuff, and making anything is impressive. But I don't understand the critical response unless reviewers played it for a half an hour and just assumed there must be more. Uh, well, there isn't. To riff on one of my favorite, I think you should leave sketches. Explain to me why it's interesting. Because it's complex? You thought it was interesting? I thought it was difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thought it was I difficult. Said it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's a, I, I didn't like that game. Yeah. No bad game. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll be good. We, yeah, we can do bad games. But... Yeah, plenty of them can. <laughs> uh, moving on to Chuck E. Cheese responses, uh, which are the, the bulk of this, because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people have Charles Entertainment Cheese uh, memories. Sam says, I don't have any personal experience. <laughs> I didn't set that up for myself to be like, oh, a lot of these people have experience, but I'm sure Sam's going somewhere with this. Yes. Uh, I don't have any personal experience with Chuck E. Cheese, just old school Pizza Hut and the semi-local robotless family fun, fun center. However, as somebody who is really into weird shit on YouTube for its beginning, I have fond memories of Chuck E. Cheese and the Galaxy 5000, a 1999 straight-to-video movie about not using steroids. The whole thing is on YouTube and has a TV tropes page. If you don't want to set through an hour long video, just look up zoom gas and you'll get the most important five minutes. <laughs> I do want to set through an hour long video. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> about not if zoom gas is about. I, mean, I, re- I remember in my, in my elementary school. So uh, let's say from grades one to four, I think it was, there were like laminated notices uh, taped to the bathroom wall, at least in the boys' bathroom, that talked about the dangers of doing anabolic steroids. Mm. First to fourth graders. Yeah, I think I think maybe it was a problem. <laughs> yeah. I hope fourth graders don't start juicing because if they juice, like it's they're already no. rough stuff, you know, I yeah. can't handle them. No, no. Um, like thoughts about Pizza Hut memories about the like the early nineties Pizza Hut experience came to mind as, as we were talking about the pizza restaurant aspect of Chuck E. Cheese and stuff. That was a magical thing for me. I really enjoyed Mm. the, just the, all of the trappings of that, just how incredibly dark it was. The, uh, like the state, the stained glass lamps, uh, over each the tables, Um, water down Pepsi. Yeah. The water down Pepsi red pictures. Yes. Oh, yeah. the uh, the like the the uh, uh, red plastic tumblers with that kind of rock um, texture uh, to them. The jukebox next to next to the uh, ne- the jukebox next to the cigarette machine next to the Miss Pac Man machine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, yes, the, the, yes. the 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 afterburner cabinet that they kept in the like cordoned off pickup area, like the other like the other counter over there that you could play while you waited. Yeah. The the one where, when I was growing up had Super Mario Brothers uh, one arcade and Goonies one ooh as a cocktail cabinet. Oh uh, God, I, I fucking love I love a cocktail cabinet, dude. <sighs> they sell them. It's, it's a really it's something I want that is would be really stupid down <laughs> uh, in my tiny tiny apartment. Yeah, but, uh, man, just a, co- a cocktail meme cabinet. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh but yeah, I I did not know that they did a steroids PSA Galaxy 5000, which I imagine is, is some uh, kind of race. Very strange. Uh <laughs> uh Vivian Vivian says, it was the morning of my eighth birthday. I'd requested a a party at Chuck E. Cheese, and a lot of my class was showing up, at least 12 people or so. As we were driving there, my mom crests a hill 
and bam, head-on collision. Thankfully, nobody was injured, though the cars were totaled. I ended up being over an hour late to my own birthday, uh, though honestly, I can't remember how we got there. Uh, And it uh, it really put a dourness over the whole event. I'm very happy you were okay. Head-on collisions are fucking awful, especially over hills. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that, like, uh, I don't know, maybe some kind of glass hill. I don't know how you don't have that happen. But. <laughs> Usually, you, I mean, uh, if it's if it's especially dangerous, they'll put mirrors at the top of hills so you can see if stuff's coming. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a bummer. I'm glad that you're okay as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave says, I think I found tokens in the bottom of the ball pit one time and was forever convinced that the employees littered coins there for the kids to find once they tapped out. (laughs) Uh, Given it any sort of critical thought, I am pretty sure they just sometimes fell out of kids' pockets. (laughs) Very uh, Bowser revolution in keeping the hope of more games alive once I'd burned through my tokens. Uh, Might as well have just scrounged around under tables and in the cheese holes. Uh, great episode uh, you guys are great yeah thank you, thank you. uh i don't know what a cheese are you talking about other kids mouths i <laughs> i bet you i i imagine there's probably uh some like little mouse holes or something maybe maybe a decoration in this yeah. specific chicken cheese yeah. i hope he's not talking about other kids mouths what what's bowser revolution what's ba- bowser revolution Dave, yeah, I don't. I didn't. You're yeah, baffling I didn't. me, Dave. Hey, Dave, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna do some follow up on this. We'll do a bonfire side chat season on Dave's response here. Uh, I do like the idea of like, oh, everything here kind of has prizes or whatever. Like, I can even bring my grade card and get tokens. So why why would I go into this big stinky pit of balls covered in kid grease uh, if it was not to fish for tokens? I can see why yeah. a kid would believe that. Yeah, absolutely. They put some tickets at the bottom or something like that, too. <laughs> and, and some snakes, of course. Yeah, Just, yeah. Dude, gar- gar- garter snakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. uh, what does Jack say? Jack says, I have a lot of Chuck E. Cheese memories from my time in suburban Chicago and later suburban Akron. Uh, but I think the best time I had was consistently playing the Super Mario Brothers pinball machine. It wasn't an exceptionally good table, but somehow, whether by original design or by the Chuck E. Cheese ownership, the back legs of the table were shorter than your average pinball affair, meaning the angle of the table was extremely generous. The ball would often almost float in space. For that reason, I managed to get nearly 45 minutes out of a single token of play uh, multiple times a night. It really gave my uh, gave my confidence in pinball skills a big false boost, something that Theater of Magic, while amazing, will never be able to do. Also, I swear the sausage on the pizza was specifically breakfast sausage. Shit tasted weird. Definitely could have been. I mean, I can breakfast see them sausage. going with a sweeter sausage on that. Yeah, not yeah. doing spicy or having it taste like sage. Yeah. yeah. And also I can I can understand why they might uh, why they might cheat the angles on some of the pinball machines especially for uh for kids, you know. Uh the uh yeah, I could see that as well. It also things like that I always think that they assume they're just machine mistakes. Yeah. You know, they like, could have set it some up weird wrong. on the floor. Yeah. Uh there were the, the there was one of those uh Mario places or Mario uh pinball machines for sale. Chris was really uh enthusiastic that I get it. And I was like it's not a really good table. Like if I was going to no. get if I was going to get a table, uh, I wouldn't spend that thousands of dollars on one that mediocre. It's a neat object, but yeah, I would take it. Yeah. You know, like and I would probably I would have fun mm-hmm. with it. Uh but it's yeah, it's not a great table. Looks no. good. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. 
Yeah. See this- the X-Men table. Like I'd love to have that just as an X-Men thing, but it's not a great table. No. Uh, Shane says, I really enjoyed the Tucky Cheese episode and hope you continue to do more topics like this. I grew up in New Hampshire going to Fun Spot, a giant arcade with bowling, pizza, etc. We too had a game with weird fuzzy clowns that you would knock down with a ball. Uh, Cole saying that he wanted the air cannon sound as a ringtone unlocked something for me. Yes, I remember those cannons, but the sound wasn't a dull thunk. It was more of a high-pitched chook. Uh, I must hear the sound again. So I started Googling this knockdown clown game and the results are confusing me. Apparently there are two separate games. There's down the clown, which has you throwing balls at rows of fuzzy clowns. There's another game called big mouth, which has you shooting the aforementioned cannon into uh, big clowns teeth uh, to knock them over. I distinctly remember fun spot having a game that was a combination of these two where you shot the ball cannon into rows of fuzzy clowns. I can only find one occurrence of this game. There's a company that created a custom cabinet called Boomball Knockdown. There's a link. Uh, did Fun Fun Spot order a custom build from this company 30 years ago when I played the game as a kid, or did somebody else just have the same great idea to shoot clowns with a cannon? You know, I would to- uh, I would totally believe that I had mixed up the two of them um, because could, there's certainly a gun that shoots fuzzy clowns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one hundred percent. Because I also remember the satisfying cannon being used to shoot the teeth out of the clown too. I just I remember, both. yeah. I just I remember uh, both of them. Yeah. I fucking hated clowns. <laughs> There's a lot of like reasons to shoot them in the face and shoot them bodily individually, like their children or whatever the little ones are. Uh, <laughs> clown, with a cl- clownlets. As a kid. Yeah. Yeah. The clownlets. <laughs> you don't want them to bite you and uh, uh, turn into one of them. Please, for, for the love of God, don't eat. actually kill a clown. They've got kids and stuff. <laughs> Some of them do. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) oh my gosh yeah no i've i've gone down similar research holes and i've not been able to find a video uh to get the sound of the exact uh cabinet that i'm thinking of but um the the foomp noise that we were talking about there are ones that make that noise for sure as well mm -hmm. like i I think that what we're all hovering around here is that the carnival ticket game industry is perhaps not as well regulated or documented as we'd like. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, <laughs> little bit, uh, you know, just, uh, running from town to town once the game is, uh, is found out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a little, a uh, little carny DNA and there are a lot of bespoke little, there are a lot of companies making them and stuff. Yeah. Well, vendors working off of uh, similar plans and such. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Andy K250 writes, growing up, I never got to go to either Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza. Luckily, we were able to take our daughter to our local one a few times before the pandemic hit. Uh, On one of our visits in late 2019, she and I were milling about outside the Chuck E. Cheese storefront in the strip mall before going inside. My daughter noticed two tarnished coins uh, set on one of the brick windowsills outside the entertainment center. When she gave them to me to look at, I saw that uh, they were actually old tokens, not for Chuck E. Cheese, but for showbiz pizza. Sure enough, our location was actually a showbiz pizza pizza prior to being rebranded in the late 80s and early 90s. I believe you mean Concept Unified. Uh, uh, the only logical answer that I could come up with for why such old tokens would still be there, uh, was that the upper facade of the strip mall had just been remodeled a short time prior to our visit. The showbiz tokens were probably either found by workers and placed on the sill or maybe fell out during the uh, remodeling and just happened to land there. Anyway, it was really neat for my kiddo to find relics that would have been from my childhood, nearly untouched for 30 years, in the same place where they were used. 
Also in the previous dispatch, Gary wished that there was a theme song for the cereal Cinnamon Toast Crunch. There's not really a theme, but uh, but whenever I think of the name of that cereal, I always think of it being set or sung uh, to the musical sting near the very end of this commercial. Thanks for giving me an audio task, Bob. Or <laughs> Andy. It takes me, me, and me to go you know what tastes? You know what tastes really good? Hmm. F- fucking cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, yeah, it's very <laughs> good. You ever? Uh, you know what's kind of disappointing though? Uh, every once in a while, like I don't eat ice cream really anymore because my body doesn't handle anything. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, I I crave it and I'll go to a plaid pantry and get some ice cream. Of course, and they have a cinnamon toast crunch ice cream. <sighs> that can only be like, disappointing. Oh. That can only be disappointing. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah. Like it looks like it'd be great. And like, I mean, I've only had cinnamon ice cream a couple of times in my life. Like they sell it at graders in Southern and Central Ohio, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, certain times of the year. And it's really good. So I always keep my eye out like, oh, is there a cinnamon ice cream? I could see looking at that and thinking, oh, there will be cinnamon in this. Specifically, how is it disappointing? It's a it's low quality ice cream. Of course. So the actual just, you know, the, the vanilla ice cream that is the base does not have good flavor Mm. uh then it is a little bit too much cinnamon Mm. and not enough crunch bits yeah huh yeah i'm a a real solids in my ice cream kind of dude okay uh that's me yeah uh yeah uh graham says i think it's pronounced graham uh the spelling a-e uh Great episode. I really enjoyed hearing about the animatronic pizza arcade phenomenon, even though I've never been to a Chuck E. Cheese myself. I grew up with a local serial numbers filed off equivalent, Woody Woodchucks. Here's a link to an old commercial. Uh, if you're in the mood. Uh, I work as a sculptor for a company that makes mascot companies costumes. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> and I am flummoxed by the designs of the Chuck E. Cheese characters of the 80s. If I tried to ship a character like Uncle Clunk, I would be fired on the spot. Have taste changed so much that this was acceptable in the 1980s? <laughs> this episode has given me a greater appreciation for Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. I always assumed it was just a Muppet Show parody, but now I think there's more than a little Chuck E. Cheese DNA in the mix. <laughs> uh, first off, that sounds like a really cool job. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Woody Woodchucks did not uh, uh, turn up in any of my any of my searches. But uh, it is uh, we ask for people to to to, to write in about uh, about their own particular versions. I imagine maybe the mascot for that is a beaver. If I'm just uh, if, I, if I'm guessing, you can uh, you can Google if uh, you put it in Google. It's a a cartoon beaver friend. He's pretty scary. Oh, uh, here. Let me take His a band's look pretty scary as well. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Here. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> that the drummer is real hard to look at. He's got a real like uh, art ain't I a little stinker face. I don't care for yeah. that one bit. Yeah, no good. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, and then in terms of uh, have taste changed that much? No, people uh, hate Uncle, Uncle Clunk. Clunk. Nobody liked Uncle Clunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was immediately received uh, properly, which is as a demon. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, you'll find those old Mickey Mouse mascots that are real scary. Like taste yeah. have definitely changed for like what, or those scary Easter bunnies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Things like that. Uh, but Uncle Clunk was is forever tainted. Forever cursed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Gabe writes, hey, guys. 
I finished your episode of Charles Inter- Entertainment Cheese, and I just wanted to answer the question you guys had. These select episodes that you do on more broad concepts are some of my favorite WAFs. I love the hardware episode and especially love the two arcade episodes. Uh, I thought the older arcade episode where Gary is doing field reporting uh, was excellent and thought that him having to yell to be heard by his recording device and having the background sound of a Saturday night at Ground Control added to the vibe and atmosphere of that episode. Uh, I listened to the arcade apps a couple of times each during the pandemic to help alleviate the itch of being at an arcade slash PRGE. Anyways, as schedules allow, I would love to hear more of this kind of content. The nostalgia drip is always great. Uh, it'd be pretty cool if you guys covered a dying bowling alley or something. <laughs> bowling, a bowling alley is one of those places. Yeah, it is. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, affection for bowling and, and some people do consider it to be a sport. So like we might get, you know, yelled at for not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like I, I, we could do other topic things as they occur to us. Yeah. I don't see any reason I, why not. I proposed one a while or a couple, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, the Pac-Man one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I, I wasn't thinking about that one because it's so close to like, it's a topic, but it's also a game. Yeah. 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 But that, that is a, that is a good idea. Mm-hmm. We'll probably do that as well. Yeah. No, yeah. but just uh, the, the, those uh, are fun and the response has been good. Yeah. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> Appreciate you. Uh, Will says, one of my earliest memories was my first visit to our local Chuck E. Cheese. It was a birthday party for a family friend, and I was the tag-along that had to be looked after as the older kids did birthday activities. I was absolutely enraptured by this loud, larger-than-life robotic stage performance. I was a curious little kid, and I compulsively had to touch everything I came across, much to the chagrin of my parents. I was so captivated by the larger-than-life show that I had to get up on stage with Mr. Cheese. Left unattended, I began to climb up the stage towards the gyrating Chuck, and just as I was about to touch his foot, my dad whisked me away and said if you get hit by chuck they will turn you into a robot oh no oh fuck i love uh, without any further questioning i immediately felt terror and respect for these esoteric beings with the capability of removing my own autonomy i didn't know how they would turn me into a robot and i wasn't going to question it i didn't touch many things i came across after that and to this day animatronics have an exciting yet terrifying place in my heart thanks dad Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's drama. I love a, like a reverse King Midas, <laughs> like turns into everything he touches. Oof. Like <laughs> they will that's turn great. you. Who's they? <laughs> uh, it's the robots. It would be Chucky e. G's. I mean, that's that, how they get new band members. That's also basically the the the, the plot of uh, 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 oh gosh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights, it um, is five, yeah, yeah. No, they want to yeah. put you in the in the suits because they think you're a they think you're a rogue core. Yeah, yeah, you're an exoskeleton. Yeah. <laughs> Just wonderful. Yeah, done. <laughs> yeah, that would give me the willies. I would not uh, do not care for that. Uh, <laughs> Michael says, "Hi, Gary and Cole. Growing up, you might have had uh, what we'll call an also sorry. Let me retake that." Michael says, "Hi Gary and Cole. Growing up, you might have you might have had what will uh, what we will call an also their friend in your group, the person uh, that was cool to have around when the gang is together, but not someone you'd want to hang out with one on one. My also their friend invited us to his birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, we were all high school sophomores. Uh, 
Oh God. Uh, only me and one other friend showed up. Ah, poor guy. Uh, my mm. friend and I thought for sure it'd be too weird. Uh, not only because we felt too old for this, but also because our also their friend was so genuine in, in his excitement. The staff treated us all <laughs> with exhausted obligation, uh, like they were already so tired of saying certain lines for children. And now they had to say the same quips. <laughs> For people who knew the game, a real Walter White work in the car wash vibe. Uh, but we were pleasantly surprised. Turns out an afternoon of playing Arctic Thunder and Time Crisis 2 with passable pizza to eat is still a lot of fun. I even got to check out the animatronic show. Uh, they were in the very back of the building behind a purple curtain. You could sort of hear them when you approached. Um, they were, they were all there tucked behind a balcony, um, or their frame in the stage murmuring to each other in that empty unlit room. Now that turned grim. Yes. That turned menacing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's great. <laughs> the, um, yeah, uh, that, that sounds, uh, kudos to your also there friend <laughs> for being like, this is going to whip yeah. and then being right. <laughs> yeah. um i so like the idea of the chuck e cheese birthday when you are a sophomore is like <sighs> mm -hmm. being the birthday boy at a at a chuck e cheese party in your uh teens is weird like if you you know if you're sitting in the place where the robots will speak to you and the staff yeah. has to treat you like you're the like like you're the king that doesn't seem cool having like a birthday get together where like hey we're gonna do chuck e cheese stuff where the event isn't all about this birthday that's happening that seems good to me in a general sense at a certain age you stop be being a birthday boy yeah you know you just become a person who has a birthday but you're no longer the birthday boy right you know, it's kind of a bummer. I, maybe this year, if uh, the pandemic is still kind of relaxed and I, you know, for the third year of my birthday in a row, maybe I'll be a bir treat myself to being a birthday boy. <laughs> Everybody has to listen to what I say. I'm the birthday boy. Yeah, yeah the birthday boy. Like, I'm just going to be a petty little tyrant, like a pathetic little Lord Fauntleroy who, like, ruins everything with my just, lolly and my sailor just, suit. Oh, God, just carrying around an all day lolly. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, make an adult lolly that contains all the nutrients that I need for a day. <laughs> like, I think we get an adult Soylent Loft lolly for Silicon Bros to just like, they're like, we wear the same sailor suit every day and we do one lolly a day that has all the nutrients you need. Yeah, I don't take care of my hair. I just shave my head uh, and then wear this uh, the curly blonde wig under a sailor hat <laughs> it's just simpler and the time that you're thinking about combing your hair is time you're not grinding <laughs> <laughs> like grind lolly mindset <laughs> grind lolly i need to get my grind lolly hey, just, hold up, guys it's got a whole day's <laughs> worth of micro doses in it <laughs> Dude, we should this is we could become venture like this would make us rich <laughs> The grind if we, lolly? If we made an all day like soylent lolly for <laughs> San Francisco Tech Pro guys. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, it's a great idea. Uh I'm just, just, just I'm just picturing it starts on the it starts on the outside with bre breakfast flavors and it works to the inside. You know, yeah. it's just it's just booze on the inside. Yeah, until the end, it's like a, a long island iced tea that got spilled in an ashtray. Yep. You know, like a horrible club. <laughs> um, yeah. 
lolly mindset. Uh, Justin says, uh, hey, guys, I've been a listener for a, l- a little while. I had the WAF app uh, to listen to Abject Suffering when it first came out and suggested Deadly Tellers and Where's Waldo for the NES. I'm excited to listen to this episode. I have a rather unique experience with the animatronics uh, from there. A little backstory. I live in Alaska, and at our state fair, there was an independent haunted house attraction called The Dungeon of Doom. I went to elementary school with one of the children of the owner of the haunted house. He was also a pyrotechnician and got to work on several fireworks shows over the years, but that's another story. Being close friends gave me the opportunity to work for them at the fair. I ended up working in the haunted house and scaring people and got to build and create several of the scare effects. In 1998 or 1999-ish, he bought some of the old Chuck E. Cheese animatronics for use in the haunted house and other projects. He tasked me, a 16-year-old, to rebuild and learn how to program the PLC, Programmable Logic Controller, to make the dudes do stuff. The one that got the farthest on and was in the best shape was a cat of some sort, maybe a tiger or a lion, and I was able to get him refurbished uh, up by replacing the pneumatic tubes and pistons. The PLC that came with it was a suitcase-sized box that would connect all the tubes and would go through the actions, etc. We ended up using a mini-disc player uh, and separate right and left tracks to put the audio that would come out of the speaker and have the cues for the animatronics, kind of like how a Teddy Ruxpin works. Love it. We ended up using it for the haunted house for a while, but ultimately it got repurposed to be outside another attraction called the Mirror Maze. And we'd use it to bark, a.k.a. talk to people to get them to come inside uh, using the same mini disc system and some motion center sensors. That was really my first dive into PLC programming and automation. Now I am a refrigerator uh, refrigeration technician who also maintains the uh, automation on a canning line for a local brewery. It's kind of funny that Chuck E. Cheese and his band of goons got me started down this career path that I'm on. As a bonus, if you want, I can record some of the Dungeon of Doom barks I used uh, used to do when I was on the mic in my spooky voice. We never used any effects on the PA, just some compression, so all the creepiness came from within. Thanks again for giving me a decade of entertainment. Cheers. Uh, if you got those laying around, go ahead and send them. Uh, I, I would like to go to the Dungeon of Doom. I, I fucking love everything about this. Yeah, like <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, th- th- this owns. The, the, these are good stories, uh, man. Like, w- what great opportunities you had just by knowing these awesome people in Alaska, working on uh working on their like haunted house stuff. Man, all this rules. Yeah, it's like somebody made a dad in the weird science machine. Like you know how <laughs> in weird science, like the, the thing is to get advice from like a guidance counselor, gigantic boobs. Uh huh. You know, if you remember that movie, they don't have sex with the the golem they make. Nope. Uh, she's because I'm dating advice. This is like somebody did that to make a dad, yeah. and they just like the little thing that they use to grow the boobs in weird science. They're just like turning up the coolness factor until it gets to fireworks technician. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. this rules oh, very good, and the, very that, good that, that's a that's a great hack using the uh, the, the the mini the mini disc uh, player, and you know those machines are complicated. Like saw it in the in, in the documentary. Kudos on figuring out how to like gut them and replace them and stuff. And uh, yeah, 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 very uh, nice. My my I, well my, my hat is off to you. Well done. Uh, Tom, Tom the Optimist says, Hi, I wanted to provide a little bit of context to to the pre-Chuck E. Cheese entertainment pizza shows. So, I'm from Florida, and in my area there was a place, now defunct, called Roaring Twenties Pizza. Uh, It was a place where you could eat expensive pizza while listening to a Wurlitzer organ show. The thing is, a Wurlitzer show was not the musical recital like you would expect. (laughs) 
The entire building, deceptively enough, was the instrument. The pipes went through the walls, uh, and the many terraced keyboards uh, were wired to dozens of different devices and tools, all crowding shelves throughout the concert hall. Um, when the show started, the organ player and his keyboard orchestra would rise out of the floor while playing. According to my dad, uh, who has experience playing the organ, um, the setup actually was this. The organ was not just a tra traditional press a note, have a sound come out setup. Many of the three or four levels of keyboards sitting around them were actually command structures. Then his normal keys uh, were also on a time delay. As such, he could perform songs and add in drum solos, sound effects, and basically anything he else uh, connected. Uh, as a result, it went from organ player from that one I think you should leave skit with a funny sound effect to organ player with a stomp-esque performance with improvised instruments, all planned out by a half-programmer, half-one-man band. Uh, he also would play any request that wasn't owned by Disney. Uh, the way I figured it, a place like Roaring Twenties had a lot of the infrastructure built in for a rocket fire explosion. Uh, all someone would need to do is plug in their own hardware. It makes sense uh, that the next step up from a live programming would be a pre-planned performance. Uh, thanks for the that details. Sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to go to that. That looks badass. Yeah. Um, or sounds badass. And yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very cool. I was expecting a dude playing an organ. Same. I didn't expect it to be uh, an electromechanical marvel, but here we are. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> Jindosh Mansion shit. Uh, Craig says, I don't have any real memories of going to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, but I do remember a Chuck E. Cheese-like called Major Magic, not too far from where I grew up in Southeast Michigan. It probably had a big play structure, and it was definitely and it definitely had an animatronic nightmare band. But what I remember the most was its expensive floor of arcade cabinets, or extensive floor. Uh, expansive, actually, is the word. I almost got there. Uh, <laughs> going to Major Magic was my first exposure to a lot of classic arcade games, even if some of them were pretty outdated by the time I got there in the early and mid-90s. Miss Pac-Man and Centipede are two that I definitely saw for the first time there. It's been closed for at least 20 years, but shout out to any other uh, listeners who went to Major Magic in Ypsilanti, Michigan uh, in the 1990s. Having recently become a father, I'm excited to see what horrible innovations in this industry I'll be exposed to when my kid is old enough to be interested. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be mm -hmm. some real like Pavlov. Just to go and get the kid's head cut in half so you can measure their saliva output kind of shit. Yeah. 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 The adrenochrome ball pit. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. If this place was in Ypsilanti, there's probably a good chance that I uh, like screamed to go there. Not screamed. Yelled. Bugged my parents to go there while we were driving past yeah. to go up to Central a Michigan. Little, that was a, a, a baby fit. I mean, that's yeah. what that's that's why I'm. On, I've always I've always been on the grind lolly mindset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give me lolly or give me death. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yes uh, uh being being exposed to all these old arcade games this would this would have been one of the places you could do it and also i'm picturing major magic as some kind of general who has a little like magic wand and a wizard hat if we're lucky <laughs> Uh, Nervous says, I never really went to Chuck E. Cheese. My parents' stance was, we'll take you to the arcade or to Discovery Zone, but we won't pay for shitty pizza. 
However, I'll never forget the big Chuck E. Cheese next door to my Taekwondo lessons and the little parade of fat kids freshly changed out of their dobok, uh, rushing with their parents for their pizza treat. It's a memory that makes me smile every time. Like Gary, I used to love jumping in the ball pit at any opportunity. No heed paid to the filth. That all changed one day at a McDonald's play place <laughs> when I saw a three-year-old in the pit licking all the balls, leaving wet saliva marks on, on everything in his vicinity. I don't think I ever went into another ball pit after seeing that. Nowadays, the gym I go to has a massive out a massive two-floor uh, two child habit trail that takes up at least half of the building. I often glance through the window on my way to the locker room, wistfully imagining a world in which they let me in there for a good clamber. Um, and then there are nice things there. Nervous says nice things. Uh, you know, I, I again, I think that there, uh, that there is a market for an adult's play place and I will not be, I will not be dissuaded from this. I also think that adults should have cat trees. Cat treats? Cat trees. You can make that happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I'm back on board. <laughs> it's, it's really excited, like you. And I also think adults should have cat treats. Like, yeah. Don't get anything they want, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I think my doctor would have something to say about that, but <laughs> yeah. Well, what's he going to do? <laughs> He's not going to stop me. He needs. He's not going to smack the cat treat out of my hand. <laughs> I've never keep seeing cat treats. I've I've never been tempted to put a you know to to put a cat treat in my mouth. It isn't gross. Sure. <laughs> we believe you. Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, that is real gross about licking the balls in the ball no, pit. No, thank you. It's nasty. Can't like, well, nasty for both of them. Uh, Fenrelliania uh, says, I didn't realize Mr. Cheese made it all the way to my continent down under, but aside from that, I don't know of any animatronic infested pizza, pizza cades, pizza arcades uh, around these parts. Most of those vibes come from bowling alleys with their arcade sections. I do have two related memories, though. Uh, first, back in the 1990s, Penrith Pizza, uh, Plaza or Penrith Plaza, Plaza means mall, uh, had a wing with food and groceries. And to complement this theme, they had a huge fiberglass vegetable uh, set up on the wall that would wobble back and forth and sing a song anytime a kid presses a very pressable button nearby. This attraction uh, disappeared in subsequent and subsequent remodels, possibly for the sanity of the employees, or possibly because it trained kids to push strange buttons on walls for surprise treats, like singing carrots and fire alarms. Uh, the second memory was a very two thousands var- uh, variation on the entertainment restaurant, restaurant, a place called Zerts. Uh, or excerpts, excerpts, excerpts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the premise was that aliens set up this restaurant <laughs> with all their Jetsons-esque retrofuturistic furniture. Upon entry, you were put in an elevator with a big screen on one wall that implied you were being sent to space in an alien ship to get to this restaurant. To add to the atmosphere, the restaurant had no windows. You would order from a touchscreen, brand new technology at the time, that displayed what I can only describe as the Space Jam website. <laughs> uh, you could also play games and watch movies, which seemed like an invitation to spend way too long in this restaurant. I only got to go twice, once to the original location and once to the place they relocated when it was clear they weren't making the big bucks required for a waterfront Sydney Harbor location. <laughs> By their second location, they gave up on the space charade and had kept the windows open, but I think ultimately they just served expensive, mediocre food shortly before the iPhone came to smother them in their sleep. Got rid of the space theme. 
that's all you got, buds. Yeah. It's the restaurant from I Think You Should Leave again. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the space bar that they go to. <laughs> uh, I want to go to that. <laughs> I don't care how mediocre it is. I want to go to Zertz. Just, like, just, just like I want to go to the Ninja restaurant. Come on, bud. Yeah. <laughs> More themed restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> Our restaurant is themed under uh, uh, high quality cu- cuisine. Yeah, fuck, fuck you. Off. Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to send you on a rocket to the Michelin stars, bud. I don't yeah. fucking care. <laughs> I don't care. Give me cafeteria trash if you're gonna have a like a robot give it to me. I <laughs> am <laughs> baby. Give lolly. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh um and also uh yes i just a tremendous sympathy for any employees who had to listen to the uh, the, the 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 wall vegetable death death dirge the vegetable chorus yeah, yeah. <laughs> but thank you uh for the uh for, for the stories from down under uh, again stuff we specifically asked for and you delivered um, let's hear. Uh, Doug says, I finally remember going to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, and it was interesting to revisit it as an adult for my own children. One thing that really stuck out was the Chuck E. Cheese of my youth. It was very dark inside. Uh, this was true of my local arcade, Tilt. Uh, to prove my 80s bona fides, uh, the arcade was inside a shopping mall adjacent to an Orange Julius. High five, Doug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was something incredibly cool about the aesthetic of the inky black interior paired with the neon cabinets of Joust and Tron. My local Chuck E. Cheese in recent years was the opposite, brightly lit uh, and maximum visibility. As a parent, I really appreciated the ability to keep an eye on my kids, uh, as well as the unique UV visible number stamp they put on each family member to ensure kids not uh, kids did not leave with someone unauthorized. Uh, I presume that these measures were taken in response uh, to awful things that happened in dark Chuck E. Cheese's in the dark Chuck E. Cheese's of decades past. But Gary, Cole, the dank, the dank. Uh, mm-hmm. P.S. The modern free gluten, uh, the modern gluten free options uh, were actually very welcome because my wife has celiac, and amazingly, uh, that food was actually decent and safely prepared. Oh, cool! Huh? Nice. Uh, so everything that you're describing as like something that people could possibly say, like, oh yeah, uh, they've taken the soul away from this man. Uh, they're actually responding to children being stolen and people getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree. Yeah, the, the very soul of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> you know? Like you're, you're saying the same thing. Yeah. Bit... Uh you know, basically. <laughs> so I do miss Dank. Yes. Uh in places. For sure. Like, I, I don't want kids to get napped, but also, like, as an adult, I prefer everything to be dark. Yeah. Uh, in a general sense, you know? I mm-hmm. don't really want to, like, see stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it happened with comic stores, too. Comic stores used to be these, like, wretched little bits, mm-hmm. and now they're real friendly. So, kind yeah. of a bummer. Uh, but that's, you know, it's good. So, yeah. It's, a, it's, 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 all, it's all for the better for things like safety and making sure yeah. people don't get terrible terrible illnesses <laughs> yeah yeah make sure people feel okay yeah uh ryan says uh chucky e. cheese was a thing that came into my life quite a few times my earliest cheese memory was the mouse holes that made a maze of sorts this might have been those cheese holes from earlier maybe uh, i was three or four and was obsessed with mazes and it was the closest i got into being in one but once you got in i was just crying lost children 
children super uncomfortable <laughs> i was lucky enough to have an arcade in my small uh 15, people connecticut town that actually opened during the bust years like 1987 or 1988 it was popular for about a year and had animatronics for birthday parties not sure which variety but the weird thing was that the place was a ghost town by the 90s but stayed operational until the early 2000s at least some italian guys owned it and operated it uh, there were dumb jokes about mafia ties, and truth be told, there would be old guys in tracksuits handing out free tokens during the salad days. The kicker uh, was when I was in high school, some friends and I were out being teenagers at 3 a.m. and saw a Mack truck park there and unload a ton of DVD player boxes. Weird. Uh, this is probably getting too long, but I went to Chuck E. Cheese again when I was uh, probably 11 or 12 years old and saw the ugliest toddler ever. Uh, and everyone is being mean to him. And he in, uh, in, and he invited disgust. What's happening? It's so weird. But later I read a Spider-Man storyline about vermin and the toddler sort of fit the bill. Uh, take it, stick it to him. Uh, finally, uh, my dad, rest in Piece, was a manager of a Chuck E. Cheese a few towns over, uh, which in Connecticut is far away. For my 17th birthday, we drove out to some weird video rental store because we heard they had a razor head and then realized I was near where my dad worked, so we stopped by. He showed us all the cheat codes, driving as a giant dog nose in some Italian rally uh, car game, how to get big head mode in a jet ski game. My dad was pretty cool that night, and since it was November, midweek, and it was snowing, the place was pretty empty, so I got free play, and me and a couple of friends even braved the ball pit. Well, I hope you didn't That's get flesh-eating bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah your dad, it wasn't part of your dad's plan. That's awesome. Like, go, your dad works in an arcade, and you go as a teen. Mm-hmm. And your your dad gets to do the flex of like, hey, want to play some free games, kids? <laughs> That's great. Oh man, wow. uh, uh, take that toddler! <laughs> vermin. You're a Spider-Man villain, toddler. Yeah, you verminous little shit that everyone you invite <laughs> criticism or whatever. <laughs> you invite disgust. <laughs> so i hope everybody enjoyed those responses as much as uh as much as much as i did uh <laughs> good good hearing about all these all these things especially with the the the, the toddlers that have discussed wow uh <laughs> incredible get them uh we're gonna move on to death loop responses uh and then uh, and then get out of here uh but uh we're gonna start with Stuart, who says i've played the hell out of all the arcane games especially dishonored and prey uh, I think they all have a point where familiarity creates elegance, uh, where I know the spaces and the powers well enough that a level goes from being a cautious exploration to a versatile playground. Uh, that's something I felt much more quickly in Deathloop. It only took a couple of visits to a ma uh, to master an area's navigation. Uh, and from then on, I started to feel the flow and grace of a speedrunner. Uh, I felt like the suave badass that Colt is. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, uh, they, the levels in some ways are a little bit more manageable. Like they're very dense, mm -hmm. but there's more outside areas. Yes. And uh, that you end up with in some of them. So some of them end up being very uh, easy to grok. Yes. Uh, immediately. Uh, Ryan says, uh, I was the dude who sponsored Dark Messiah and forgot to write in. But I just wanted uh, to mention that I had some real hype for Deathloop. And while the setting and theme were great, I feel like uh, playing Mooncrash really spoiled the experience for me. 
There wasn't enough of the systems and lack of interactivity from previous arcane games felt blah. Uh, I think I would have eaten it up if I hadn't played Moongrash, but the Venn diagram overlap was too strong and I couldn't put it aside with the familiarity. I was hyped for the multiplayer since I had followed Arcane's canceled game, The Crossing, long ago, but ended up just feeling like watchdogs imitating demon souls. Hmm. If I learned one thing uh, is I need to play Mooncrash. Yeah, that's a thing uh, that came up multiple times. Yeah, there's there's really no reason why I haven't. It just uh, did other stuff instead, but Mm -hmm. it's on the list for sure. Um, Matt writes, hello, Gary and Cole. I didn't hear you mention it during the episode, but did you find the meat fondue fountain in Alexis's party? Uh, I remember I didn't stumble across it for several runs uh, through that level Uh, from all of the from all of his pretentious announcements about his devouring of the lambs party. The first few times I went through seemed pretty lame. Uh, Yeah, the people get dropped into a meat grinder, but where's the devouring? (laughs) At first, I thought it was intentional to show that Alexis is all bark and no bite. So after getting lost behind the scenes of the party and stumbling across a nice, chunky giblet buffet, um, I was really stoked. You can actually see the pipes being fed into it from the stage itself. Uh, It was a nice bit of fucked up environmental storytelling uh, that I really appreciated. I, you know, yeah. I, 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 I saw the meat grinder. And I was like, I'm sure that is being fed into the burgers or whatever, but I did not find the buffet table with all, with all the gib- giblets. I just, I forgot to to mention it because we, yeah. we forget things. The two big things I, after, like, usually after we do a game, I'll walk away and I'll be like, ah, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention this. And I'll have some kind of dumb anxiety about it. Yeah. The two things I forgot to mention were that. And and way less exciting, uh, the lore note that shows why Frank joined the island because he thought the time travel could reverse the damage to his vocal cords. Oh, poor I guy. don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not that important or anything, but he's just like, yeah, they did this like like crazy tour that he talks about all the time, mm-hmm. and it fucked up his voice. And it's like him talking to Wenji and him being like, oh, like we're going to be able to do time stuff. Like, and she's just like, no, you're just going to be you. You're frozen how you are now. No, man. You know? So it's another like immortality time travel perspective that's perspective uh, presented in the game mm-hmm. that I just forgot to mention. Yeah. This is not going to, uh, it's like becoming a vampire. Like, oh, I'm going to be a, you know, a sexy monster. Right. It's like, no, you're going to be like this forever. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I want to become a fat vampire again, more fat vampires. We've- <laughs> yes. Normalize. That's why I need to turn me into a vampire while I'm still chonked out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, Noah says, uh, I love the Deathloop Waff. Thank you for a great episode. Hope I'm in time to get a comment in. Couldn't agree more with your assessment of the endings. In my playthrough, I didn't shoot Jillianna in the final scene, and that to me is the best possible outcome. Live forever in a custom playground and build a meaningful relationship with your daughter? Awesome. Also, as a bisexual man, I have to stress how important it is that cold is canonically bi. Bi men don't get a ton of representation in video games, and most common, uh, the most common substitute being uh, player sexual characters in Bethesda-type games. So cold sexuality is a pretty big win. The only thing missing uh, in the episode is that no one mentioned the best bit of audio performance in recent video gaming memory, the battery song. Some hero extracted the audio uh, for that in the game's 10 dubbed languages and put it on YouTube. It's an experience. I've, I've, uh, I, this, it, it's because it was in the uh, uh, the most annoying section of the game. I found the battery song very annoying. <laughs> the, um, I uh, it was uh, mimetically a little fun. Yes, but yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, at that point, I was too pissed off. I was like, this is cute. They're trying to be cute, and I'm not having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, I also liked uh, By Colt in part because uh, the, there's this says nothing about the sexuality of, of by men or anything at all. When I have in a game because of the source and because of sexism, when a bi woman is presented, I sometimes can't shake the feeling that the idea is that it's a little like juvenile, like, you know, what if these girls gone wild made out? Yeah. Because it's presented like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't trust the authorial intent behind it, Mm -hmm. but I like uh, how cult is presented because not that, titillation is impossible with a bi man but it's not presented for titillation none of the language around it or the way it's communicating is like meant to be like "Ooh, isn't this fucking hot yeah you know and and that's true for all the way that uh death loop handles sex stuff Mm -hmm. like it's not trying to 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 titillate you which uh you know anyone who's ever listened to me knows i like that yeah yeah it's just presented as a as a fact of a fact of these characters cool yeah go for it like real life yeah. Like, uh, you know, like, like the people <laughs> who I know who are bi and just like people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, let's see here. John says, uh, Deathloop was my winter blow-off Steam game. Uh, adjusting to the what if Dishonored but with guns gameplay took a while. However, one moment really set me on my back foot. Someone in a forum recommended that I go to Carl's Bay in the afternoon and uh, search for a specific open window. I found it, climbed through, diffused the traps, and then read the note. Tense chords played in my mind when I discovered someone else also kept their memories between loops. I returned the following day and I found a note lying on the ground near a locked door saying to come back later, which I did. I followed the steps again and I was confronted by the lady inside. She was overjoyed to find another person like herself. She recounted the sheer terror of living the same day repeatedly with the depraved idiots on the island. um, And she was slowly going insane in the process. Uh, She begged me to break the loop and kill her so she wouldn't uh, so so she wouldn't forget about me. I applaud the devs for the inclusion of the set piece. This was a sharp contrast to my experience of becoming a quippy demigod, dual wielding shotguns to mow down hordes of armed mods in a pseudo sexy swinging 60s UK. Uh, This was uh, this was realization of existential terror created by uh, Eon's Black Science. Uh, This was not the fun playground of psychopathic visionaries. Well, not just the playground. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think I alluded to that real quick, but we didn't talk about it in game. I love that detail as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's real cool they included that and made it not mandatory. It's uh, like it's, uh, it's the uh, spoiler character in the endless, right? Who is is just sick and tired that she can't sleep. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, great, great little touch. Uh, <laughs> a lot of you know we miss stuff. I that's what the great thing about responses. Yeah. You know, give it a chance to. Um, she's wonderful. It's similar. There's not tons of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's that, and then the uh, the guy you found, yeah, who was uh, uh, Colt's former partner mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. But uh, the fact they put stuff there, it reminds me um, a lot of in Dishonored Two, the subplot with the um, the woman who is breeding uh, the blood flies in her basement, yeah, and kidnapping people to harvest the the gems mm-hmm. and how that subplot runs across a couple levels, but is never underlined. You right. stumble upon it. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Yeah. As a, as her, uh, as her experiment slowly gets out of control. 
Yeah. Uh, in part because you do it, yep. you know, you can, you can do it and then you come back later and it's it, like, that's a real kind of dry run for death loop stuff as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, uh, if you don't do anything about it and the, the, uh, containment breaks out, yeah. when you come to that area later, I have a dishonored series replay in me. Yeah. Uh, at some point just to spend time in the levels. Mm-hmm. Like I might even new game plus it or something and have all the powers. I just oh, want yeah. to fuck around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our final response, uh, Grefter says, can't fault any of the critiques you guys had, but the shine lasted a bit longer for me, and that's how mileage varies. But having played it since day one, Deathloop really feels like the culmination of everything Arcane has done since Dark Messiah, and that feeling has only gotten stronger since. Also, I sound like a broken record uh, a year later when Elden Ring came out, and I keep describing it the same way. The other thing of note with Deathloop I found on replays is that it has the thing that you describe in Souls games of knowledge compressing spaces that really applies here as well. Uh, Where in the first playthrough, it absolutely applies to getting around environments and speed clearing a visionary for uh, on a free time slot or something. On replay, it hits the entire route and really helps you hit the beats of what you need for the critical path much more cleanly. Also, being able to open invasions up to just your friends is probably the best addition to Souls invasions the game could have made. It is even more fun when it is probably going to be someone you know who's messing with you. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I didn't mess around with that too much. I don't know if I have social network friends on my PS5. Yeah. Uh, but if I had a bunch of friends who were into this, that would be a super fun idea. Yeah, especially close to launch if it was more kind of in the, uh, you know, just more people playing it at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I I see what you mean both with the uh, the apotheosis apotheosisness apotheosity with apotheosatopets, <laughs> uh, and the idea of it uh, compressing space yeah. on on replays. Like uh, someday down the road, I will probably replay Deathloop again, mm-hmm. and we'll probably have a similar uh, experience. Yes. Yeah. Agree. Uh, that's everything uh, for responses. We had tons of them mm-hmm. uh, this time, so uh, thanks everybody for writing in. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you have say about maze game what should they do <laughs> if you have thoughts about maze games uh which are going to be um we, we made a change here. we did make a change yes so we should do yes. that yeah yeah uh so we have uh we'll, we, we you know there's no secrets or anything we bounced off of fear and hunger yes uh we uh that was a, a patron request and something that we uh wanted to do it looked cool as we've popped into it it is uh it's just not for us mm-hmm. and you know we go into detail about that at some point but uh this has already been a long episode yeah um but just not for us and it's it kind of sk- squicked us out a few times yeah um so we're subbing that out we're going to work that out with that person don't feel like if you're going to sponsor an episode we're just going to back out this is the first time yeah. we've done that um, so we're going to do instead of fear and hunger first in May, we're going to do the beginner's guide, uh, Davy Redden's game, the uh, mm-hmm. follow up to the Stanley parable, uh, that is walking sim like, but is in the subset of games that I find really fascinating, uh, games that contain fake games, mm-hmm. which is something I absolutely love. Yeah. Also, uh, incredibly devastating, uh, just very yeah. emotional in a way that is not like explicitly cloying. You know, yep. it doesn't feel about like that. something really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so beginner's guide, uh, first game we're going to do there on Monday. Um, then uh, the next game, second game in uh, May is one that I'm excited to talk about. Teardown. Uh, that is cold. cold really Vanity excited. Pick. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you for, for bringing that to the, the show. I love that game. <laughs> yep. 
I love Tear Down. Like, I, I'm going to play the second one. I don't know if we're going to talk about it because it just came out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's coming out in parts. But uh, yeah, this this is this is fabulous. Yeah. Tear Down is so fucking fun. Uh, <laughs> run, don't walk to buy Tear Down if you, if for, you haven't. For real. Uh, just, a, a, just an unqualified recommendation. Get it. Yep. Um, and then the premium game for that month is Max Payne 3. Uh, the deadline for that, uh, for all of those, is um, May the 15th. Uh, go to duckfeed.tv slash contact and click the WAF button. Write in your responses there. If you have thoughts about multiple games, then please uh, split them up into multiple responses. That makes things easy for us. Yeah. Uh, we're going to announce June's games, and it's also a little weird because we are working out that replacement. Mm-hmm for fear and hunger uh so there's a question mark slot this month yeah we may be doing something here but we're gonna make we want to make sure that's okay with the patron future cole here we figured it out don't worry uh the first thing this is a gary pick uh my vanity pick for the month thank you gary uh the incredible hulk ultimate destruction yeah open world PS2. ps2 era game where you are just hulking out you can rip a truck in half and use both halves as boxing gloves you can surf on a bus uh <laughs> It is a very fun smash em up type game from mm-hmm. the uh, the people who ended up making, uh, I think, Infamous. Prototype. Um, prototype, yeah. Uh, their game. Um, it's PS2 era. There are parts that are difficulty walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to play it on an emulator, uh, which is the only real, that's not any virtual services, because uh, you can always throw in a uh, Game Shark yeah. in there uh, to get past some of the more frustrating bosses, save states and stuff. But I remember having a blast with this. And uh, sometimes you just want to smash stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a teardown or like a Hulk. Hi there. Future Cole is here again. The second game for the month is going to be Terranigma. This is a quintet action RPG um, for the Super Nintendo part of the Soul Blazer Act Razor uh, kind of run of games there. That's a patron pick. It didn't really come out in America. Uh, it's one of the more kind of famous games that got a second life here in ROMs. Uh, we're excited to uh, check it out. Um, and then after that, the third game is going to be Out of This World slash Another World, depending on where you are from, uh, a classic uh, platformer uh, that uh, Gary, original play- Gary originally played on the SNES, but is now available on like everything. Okay, future Cole's going away. Now we're going back to past recording. All right, this is confusing. Yes. Uh, the uh, Mechner, um, I first played on Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's on damn near everything at this point. Yeah. Uh, cinematic platformer, puzzle platformer, um, mm-hmm. with that is almost entirely, uh, if not entirely, dialogue-less. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the like cooler and most you know atmospheric games uh that came to me at a really early time yeah uh, uh, for that i've never really played it so i'm excited to uh to dig in oh you're in for a treat it's yeah. real good uh as somebody who likes mist and likes being on like a an, in an alien location where we have to figure out how stuff works nice yeah uh, it's real good i'm down and then our premium for that this is a patron pick uh from friend of the show jack uh patron of many of our episodes uh we're doing vampire yeah uh, this like yeah. looked like a quintessential WAF game uh, before it was coming out. This is, you know, talky action RPG uh, kind of deal. You're playing as a vampire in the middle of a plague outbreak in London um, uh, made by Don't Nod. It's made by the Life of Strange People and interesting systems, not entirely successful, but I'm looking for an excuse to finish it. And uh, uh, what an opportunity. 
Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I've wanted to talk about this since I since I played it for fun. Um, it's very interesting. So, um, yeah, and that's uh, that's June. Uh, July is JRPG month. We'll mm-hmm. make that announcement next dispatch. Uh, look forward to that. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you listening. Uh, this has been a long one. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you want to support us, go to patreoncom duckfeedtv Five dollars a month gives you a bunch of bonus shows. Uh, early release is going away. We mentioned that it's going away in May, so this is the last episode to be early released. Um, we appreciate your patience uh, with that as we transition. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye. Changeover happens on May the first. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what else should they do, Cole? Um, I believe that they should leave a reading review. Like I said, tell your friends you've listened to podcasts, you know what they ought to do. Uh, but, uh, but most of all, don't go in the cheese holes. <laughs> it's just yeah. crank. It's leave the ball pit out of the cheese hole <laughs> yeah. and keep your lolly dry. <laughs> <laughs> by, by, by the, by the lolly case. So it doesn't get covered with dust all days, a long time. <laughs> and invest in lolly grind set, our brand new company for the business lolly for today's Silicon Valley entrepreneur. <laughs> It's a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are business lollies and pleasure lollies. Lolly ho. <laughs>